Well, hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Trophy Talk. This is episode 89 of your favorite bi-weekly trophy hunting show. I'm your host, Colin Colhoven, joined, as always, by Slugger JD, a.k.a. The Closet Boy. How are you doing this evening, sir? <laughs> what up? I'm good. <laughs> yeah? Where are no. you reporting to us from? I'm in the kitchen this time. Ooh. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm feeling out the house for where I'm going to, like, what's permanent? I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, because a lot of that, the a lot of the episodes are done upstairs. It's not, um, God, it's, it's not insulated well. So mm. like, and with it being a second story above the garage, like bonus room, it gets really hot really fast. So, recording up there is like, it's pretty uncomfortable. But it's a late night here. The kids are asleep. I figured, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm not like in the kitchen. We have like one of those, uh, not like an island, but the counter like wraps around. So we have like kitchen stools up against the counter oh yeah on the opposite side of the kitchen so that's where i'm chilling tonight cool you can make yourself a sandwich mid-recording if you need yeah or gra- grab a grab a non-alc beer or a regular beer whatever you're <laughs> you know whatever you're vibing on that's fantastic yeah yep. i actually got an ipa tonight local ipa cool now that i'm doing this whole moderation thing i was like ooh, i gotta have a beer with the podcast this is new that's fun man i'm having a glass of wine actually as we speak so Nice. Yep, doing a little sipper myself. But yeah, report back to us and if you we'll we'll have to gauge here, you know, what is the best <laughs> re- recording location? We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll get, we'll right get you dialed your in. Suggestions. Yeah, maybe try the front porch if you have a porch next. <laughs> <laughs> God, you'll hear the insects and the frogs. It'll be it'll just sound like chattering, like nature chattering in oh. your ear the, for the whole 2 hours. Dude, I actually really love that sort of soundscape of just like bugs and nature and stuff like that i don't really get a ton of that where i live i don't think daryl you probably get a ton of that either we're also joined by daryl fuimano how are you doing today sir this evening i'm doing all right man thanks for asking so what's up with your soundscape you here in nature or no no i'm actually in a very well you know noise protected room i don't really hear much outside um i don't even hear my wife downstairs so uh, I'm pretty isolated at the moment. Yeah. And it, I mean, if you guys sleep with your windows open, do you hear like mostly just traffic and stuff? Do you guys hear much at all? Because your neighborhood is kind of set back a little bit as well from any of the main roads. Yeah, we're pretty well enclosed like in the neighborhood. So we're not near any major streets. Um, we don't really have like neighbors nearby, I guess. Um yeah, the people and the traffic is probably like the things we hear the least mm-hmm. when we're sleeping at night. But there's times where we sleep with our window open and we hear this bird just chirping <laughs> at like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. It's really annoying because it makes me think that I'm in bed at like six or seven in the morning when it's really like late in the evening. So oh. it really bugs the hell out of me sometimes. That is so odd, yeah, to hear birds at that hour. Because they're, I mean, definitely, like, at 3 or 4 a.m., you'll start to hear some of them sometimes, like, especially in the summers. But, like, damn, dude. Like, midnight birds chirping? Shut the fuck up, you know? Yeah, it's it's really annoying. It's like, you really, you, you don't know what time of day it is? Like, how rude. <laughs> Come on, my guy. I'm, like, picturing, like, a really confused rooster who, like, <laughs> like does his shit at, like, Midnight instead of uh when the sun, <laughs> when the sun's rising. <laughs> Are there it's moon roosters? Top, yeah. You know? 
I wonder. <laughs> When you say a confused rooster, I don't know if you see Moana. It, it made me think of the rooster that's in that movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm. I've actually hey, not hey. seen it. I've, I've got some uh, got some blind spots on some of the newer Disney movies. But I will tell you, I have been watching more movies. So Stephanie's been out of town for... I dropped her off at the airport last Saturday morning. So it's been almost two weeks. Sorry, two Saturdays. Yeah, it's been almost two weeks that I've been solo over here. So I'm just getting to watch all kinds of my movies that I want, bro. I'm watching the Transformers movies, kind of like all of them, right? I'm watching like Mission Impossible. Oh, I'm just getting after it. I'm actually really excited about the new uh, Mission Impossible after watching some of the older ones. So I'll have to go and check that out and report back. But do you, you guys fuck with those uh, Transformers movies at all? You guys see those? The last, well, I think the last and only one I saw was the very first one with... Um, God, what's his name? He was on Even Stevens. It's Shia, dude. Shia LaBeouf. Shia, yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox was in the first two, I think. I guess I might have seen the second one, but it was so forgettable. I don't remember it. Oh, damn. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say they're like high cinema, but I find them really uh, entertaining action yeah. movies. So, yeah. Lots of explosions. Lots of explosions. Just so much money on special effects. <laughs> the, the more recent one that I watched was uh, the one with Mark Wahlberg, which was weird because he's like the dad in that one. So you're supposed to believe that he's got this daughter who's like incredibly hot. And the other weird thing about it is like there's always like a super, super hot chick in the movies. And in this one, she's supposed to be like 17. And you're like, there's no way, dude. Like, I'm not trying to sound creepy. Like, you watch this movie, you would. there's no freaking way. This actress has got to be, like, 30 years old. <laughs> and I'm like, she's supposed to be Mark Wahlberg's daughter, and he's supposed to be the dad? Like, it's uh, it's a bit, bit wacky, but whatever, dude. It's all good. Well, thanks for joining me tonight, boys. I appreciate your time. This is episode 89 of the show, where we're going to be talking about some trophy list reviews. Of course, the last couple episodes we've had, we've had special guests. So this is sort of the first time in about a month or so that we've had just uh, the normal ensemble cast for episode 89. But I figured we would start off with sort of a, a quick little hot topic that I'm curious to mostly pick your brain about, Slugger, which is the Stranded Deep Platinum. Now, I believe a couple days ago in our Discord, Skrillis posted that there was some sort of new... I honestly did not read the article, but there was some sort of new exploit or something going on with Stranded Deep, which was given away as a PS Plus game some time ago, and I actually claimed it. It's one of the few ones I have in my library from PS Plus, that you can now pop all of the trophies or something if you just join a co-op session. Is that true? Yep. I guess, first of all, is that true? What was your experience with it? And then what do you think about them doing something like that um it so it is true i didn't think it was gonna work i skrillis posted i don't know if it was a reddit post or psn profiles but he he shared a post from somewhere on the internet where it was like hey the new update for stranded deep like completely broke the game because they added multiplayer the mm. multiplayer is completely new whole new mode and what happens is if someone if the host of the game, actually, it's not all the trophies. Whatever trophies the host of the game has, it'll unlock the trophies for you the second you like load into their world. And so this was on my cleanup list. I put probably four or five hours into this personally. Um, it, I wanted to love it. It just, it was really clunky on the PS4. It didn't run very well. I'm pretty sure it got an update to run better on the PS5. Um, 
it doesn't have a native version, but I'm pretty sure it did get patched with like the 60 FPS type stuff. Is, but on the PS4, like, sorry, I, I was know. just gonna is, ask: is there is does it matter which version that you do it on? Is it work for both, or is it just? A, oh, I see. There is only a PS4 version. I get what you're saying. Yeah. There, okay. Okay. There, there, there's no native PS5 version. I think they just did that little patch that some games do, where it's like, hey, the PS4 game runs better. Yeah. Um, but I kind of called bullshit, but I was also really hopeful. And I was like, I have to try this because I, I wanted to like this game, but I didn't. And if this means I can get an easy like backlog game off of my list, like I'm all for it, especially knowing I didn't like it. Wasn't looking forward to going back to cleaning it up. So what I ended up doing, I didn't even like uh, look for a boosting session or anything because there was a lot of people hosting boosting sessions where they were being bros and they were just like letting their console idle online and just letting random people join, pop the trophies and bounce. Hmm. And um, yeah, I ended up not looking for a boosting session. I was like, I'm just going to go in there and like join random games and kind of see if I like hit one of these boosters. Because I noticed in a lot of the boosting threads, people were saying they were joining like the obscure server locations. So people would be like, oh, I'm hosting out of Japan or I'm hosting out of like Korea, like switch your server location to that um, and just like find my name. So I went changed my server location to Japan, just picked the first name that came up, just kind of roll on the dice. As soon as I load in the game, it's just like Trophy City all over my screen. <laughs> like, and it was just bing, bing, bing. And then it like after three or four trophy pops, it paused for a couple of seconds. And I was like, oh, man, like this guy didn't have to play. I'm just getting his trophies that he got up to this point. And then it like resumed, bing, bing. And it skipped a bunch of trophies for some reason, because after like six or seven pops, it just gave up and gave me the platinum, even though I unlocked like probably 20 or so trophies in one go. Uh. Um, so it, yeah, it only showed me like maybe seven or eight notifications and then showed me the platinum notification. So I don't, it actually made me wonder if there's like a limit to the amount of trophies notifications that'll give you in a, in a time span. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it was, it was super, super easy. I felt a little guilty doing it, mm-hmm. and then I got over it very quickly when I saw my my overall profile like completion percentage jump. Like it jumps like a tenth of a percent, which is we say all the time. Like for me, that's a ton. Oh like yeah, it takes that's me a couple of weeks to jump that much. Yeah, that's big time for you. So yeah, the second I like updated my PSM profiles, like all the guilt went away. I was like, cool, one less thing I got to clean up, one less thing I got to worry about. Uh, how I feel about it it's kind of weird. I don't know how they like didn't figure this out or maybe it's intended. I don't know what they were thinking, but if I didn't have the game already installed, I don't, or like on my backlog, I don't think I would have ever like installed this game just for a free plat. I don't like doing that. I actually have a few games where you can kind of do that. Uh, what's the, it's similar to this. It's in like a survival exploration game underwater. Subnautica. Subnautica. Oh yeah. Subnautica. Where you like pull up the debug menu and you can type stuff in and it pops trophies. Arc lets you do that. Like I own all these games and I like I don't want to say refuse to play them, but if I ever play them, I don't like wanna go that route because it just feels too cheap. Which is interesting because I'm sitting here saying I did it for this game. Well, but, I, yeah. I think the distinction and I'll I'll pass it over to you, Daryl, and kind of get your thoughts on this whole thing is the distinction for you is that you had uh, percentage in the game already right you had some sort of progress because i sort of i saw it i saw a bunch of people were doing it 
I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. It is in my backlog, but I haven't started the game yet. And there was something that just felt kind of weird about just turning it on and like hitting you up to like, hey, let me join your game for a second and just get this free platinum. Because honestly, my profile, and maybe this is sort of like a, you know, like, I don't know, maybe a weird stance to take or whatever. My profile doesn't really have those kind of games on it. Like it has Telltale games on it, which I've talked about many times. It's got a lot of those. But other than those and really like the light in the darkness, which for me was more about like what that game means and what it's trying to do and all that. That's really why I played that game, even if it is a free platinum, so to speak. I don't really have any of those like auto pops on my profile. So I kind of stayed away from it for that reason. But Daryl, what do you think about this situation? Like, first of all, do you have this game in your backlog? Are you interested in doing the auto pop? You know, what, what do you think about how it was handled? Uh, So I do have this game in my backlog. This was a game I actually reviewed one of the episodes for a trophy list review. I so, remember that. Yeah. It's funny we're talking about it now on a trophy list review episode. But for me, I wanted to play this game when it came out. I thought the whole survival uh, strategy behind the game was kind of cool, but it really wasn't that cool enough for me to play. <laughs> like, I had always wanted to play it, but I always talked myself out of it. Just. The, the thought of it just kind of scared me. I was like, I, I feel like it's a cool idea, but I feel like I might get burned out real fast and just regret playing it. So to hear that this is like actually a thing where you can join a session, you know, and if that person has the platinum, you're guaranteed the plat. For me, it's kind of hard to like wipe that out from my memory because it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I would like to play it, but not for that reason. But then it's like, it'll be the constant like thought of it, like, well, if I don't like it, I can always get an easy plat. Like, I really don't want to play the game like that, because then, like, as soon as I get the plat, right away, it's just going to be, it's going to be deleted. Right. So, I, it's just hard, because it's like a constant struggle, like, I want to play it, but then there's, like, always that, like, thinking, like, well, I can just get an easy plat. Like, I, I don't want to grind out and, like, try to live for 100 days. Like, what if I die? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to do all that work. You can just get an easy plat. It's really it's really annoying that this is, like, now a thing or, like, you know, I get it. If, the, if, you're, if it's a game you don't enjoy and you don't really care about it, um, I, would, I would say that makes sense. But, like, uh, for me, I'm, like... I'm like even more hesitant now to to start the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it does it, it doesn't really like mean I don't know, it doesn't really mean the same thing. I like I don't know if you've had a conversation with Pat, uh, Pat the Trophy Hunter, go check out his streams on YouTube by the way. But if about his A to Z challenge because of course his A to Z challenge excludes auto pops, like this is not really any different in some ways. And so I think you get into this sort of like weird middle ground where it's like, I mean, for you, it is because you had progress already, I guess, Slugger. So it doesn't really like you wouldn't be able to claim it anyway. But like I could theoretically, like after we get done recording tonight, join your game and have the platinum in like two minutes and post it. And it's an ultra rare plat still, by the way. It's still less than 5% on PSN profiles. So for our race, it's worth a shit ton of points as well. Like it just it, it's very odd. I'd be curious to know what the stats are on this game prior to when this exploit was discovered when this patch happened because i don't remember what the platinum was before that but i'm sure it's much higher now than it was it had almost 2300 recent players on psn profiles which 
has to be because of this. There's no way, right? This yeah. game's this game's older cool. as well. Like, so yeah, it's I don't know. It's just a very interesting sort of situation, and it's also one of those things where it's like if you're the developer, is it negative? I don't really know. I mean, because in some sense, maybe people who would never have gone near the game are kind of checking it out at the very least, and they maybe are just getting the platinum and deleting it right away but maybe they're getting the platinum and then going well i'll play it for five hours now and not worry about trophies like i, I don't know it's 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 very odd i think the thing is too even if people aren't playing it like if people because this was free on playstation plus if i remember right yeah it was and if you if maybe you're a new system owner and you really get into trophies and you're someone that's addicted to like these super easy platinums like you may look at this game and be like yeah it's an auto pop now like i'll go and drop 15 bucks for this yeah, and I mean, at that point, the developers don't probably don't give a shit if you play or not. I'm sure they would like their work appreciated, but they're happy they're getting paid. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and you're right. There are a couple more of those that were on PS Plus too. Like I think you mentioned Ark, that has like sort of the uh, what's the what's the word for it? There's like the the certain system that you can like open the debug up menu yeah. or the system menu. Yeah, yeah. There's I, I... Ark Conan. Yeah, I think it was Conan. Which was also a PS Plus game, if I recall. And then, yeah, then Subnautica. Those three you could all essentially auto-pop. You had to do a little bit more like work. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it took a couple hours to input all the codes and stuff, but it was still essentially a free platinum. Yeah, and, and I wonder, like, there's got to be some sort of middle ground with Trophy Hunters where it's like, you know, you at least... My thing would be at least play the game for a few hours, right? Like, if you don't... Like, you did, Slugger. And if you don't like it and you're not vibing with it, it's like, okay... You know, like, whatever, I'll do this method to get the platinum and I can move on. But to just sort of, like, hop on and do that without even really... It just, I don't know, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way, I guess. I'm not trying to, like, judge anyone who does it. Obviously, trophy hunting, we've said, is a very individual thing. I'm really speaking about me, and for me, I just wouldn't do it. It There's just something about it that feels weird. Unless I, like, at least put in, I don't know what the number is. Let's call it five to ten hours with the game. If you play five to ten hours legit, and you're like, okay, like I got my feel of it, I'm not digging this thing, and you want to do that method, then whatever. But I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit too uh, too harsh on myself. <laughs> I just wish that this would be like more random with a lot of the games. I wish I had the platinum in. <laughs> Wolfenstein Two, <laughs> dude. What can you imagine if an exploit came out like this for Wolfenstein Two? How you would feel? Like, I would be fucking pissed. I would be so mad. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, dude. (laughs) I'd be like, you know, this guy's like, you know, flexing. Yeah, I got the plan of Wolfenstein. (laughs) You look at his game time, it was like one minute. Yeah, yeah, a minute and a half or whatever. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay, one minute. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, I mean, I guess, like, for the time being, I would say if you are in our registered race challenge and you're in Pat's A to Z challenge, I mean, hey, get yourself the points, get yourself the the letter crossed off the list. Like, why not, right? It's there. So I guess it's sort of a PSA that this thing is still working and doable. I don't know if they're going to patch it out or not. I'm looking at PSN profiles right now. It looks like it's still happening. There's plenty of boosting sessions you can jump in. So, yeah, go and take a look at it if you're curious. I just was, yeah, it seems like an interesting topic in terms of trophies. One of the more news-centric or trophy-centric news items that have come out of PlayStation stuff in the uh the last couple of weeks so figured it was good to chat about appreciate your guys input yeah if you want to get some popcorn head over to the like the forum for this game on psn profiles there's so much bickering and arguing where you have like 
I don't know, like the traditional trophy hunters who are like, this is BS. Like all you guys claiming your free platinums that everyone else is just like, LOL, got a prep. Got a plat, bro. <laughs> yeah, well, platinum like, number one hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's such a like, it's like the elitist and the people who are just like, dude, it's a hobby. Get over yourself. Right, like, right. It's fun. Ar- fun arguments over there. Oh, for sure. I can only imagine. Well, go and check it out, folks, and let us know what you think. Okay, now you might be wondering, where is this guessing game, dude? It's three episodes in a row we have not had the trophy guessing game. And I'm here to report to you we're not going to do it again this episode. However, however, okay, episode 90 is going to be the final episode of the trophy guessing game minigame at the start of the show. And we will come up with something different after that. The current points are six points for me, four points for Slugger, four points for Daryl. So it is my turn to quiz Daryl and Slugger with a game that they both have overlapping on their lists and they will try to guess what that game is. Now here's the caveat because we're only doing one more and the point total is more than one difference. We are going to be making this final round worth three points. Okay. So that means that Slugger or Daryl can win, right? You both could beat me actually, right? We're going to make it, we're going to make it interesting. And if I stump you great. Now same rules apply. You guys both have to have it on your lists. The caveat being, we've run out of things that you have both platinum. Okay, so it's going to be something you've both started on your list. Now, Slugger, you might be like, that's a lot of games for me. Not so many for Daryl. So it actually does kind of narrow it down. It still has to overlap between the two of you. All right? So I'm just going to let you know. Fair warning. That's how I'm going to do it. Episode 90 will take care of the guessing game. Anything you guys want to add there? I'm going to study Daryl's list for the next, like, two weeks. Yes. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. It's going to be from NBA 2K21 <laughs> or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> None of that bullshit, complete five missions kind of deal. Hey, fair one. I don't want to hear none of that. Hey, you might hear it for one of them, dude. You might hear it for one of the trophies. You never know. You never know. We'll see. I, I don't like to do that either, but if there's no better options, you know, if the, if the only other option rather is that it gives away what the game is, then I'll have to choose something like that. But we'll see. We'll see. So stay tuned. Episode 90, we will have the final round. It'll be round eight of the guessing game where we will crown a winner. Next up, I would like to give a special shout out to some platinums earned in our Discord. And if you're listening to this and you're not part of our Discord, go and check that out. You got links pinned on our Twitter, which has been blowing up, by the way. Some of our tweets have been getting like 1,300, 1,500 views. You know, way more likes to and retweets, I mean, relative to how small our profile is. So Thank you, Daryl, for being diligent about that and Slugger for posting over there, too. You know, we just got to keep that content churn up, but go and check out the Twitter. Discord's pinned over there. And in that Discord, we've got our Platshot channel and our Trophy Room channel where I pull these from. So I'm going to read through five Platinums earned in the last few weeks, and then I'll toss it over to you, Slugger, for initial thoughts, and we'll go around the horn. So first up, we've got MetRx coming in with Super Meat Boy, which sits at a 0.33% on PSN profiles for the PS4. That is, yeah, yeah, exactly, dude. That's a banger right there. <laughs> Bro, that's, that scared me. It actually scared the shit out of me, too. Oh, my God. I, I kind of forgot about the soundboard there. Woo. All right. Super Meat Boy. This dude deserves his own section with this game. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, yeah, we'll come back to it, but that's that's incredible. Um, I bet Skrillis is very jealous as well. All right, next up, we've got the Portland Kevin coming in with Stray, which sits at a 29.83% on PSM profiles for the PS5. 
Then after that, we've got Lee War with his Final Fantasy 16 Platinum, which sits already, surprisingly, at a 10.07% on PSN profiles for the PS5. Then we've got a Daryl copier slash lookalike with Zachary with his Platinum of Inscription, which sits at 11.57% on PSN profiles for the PS4. And last but not least, we have Smackerly with his The Light and the Darkness Platinum, which sits at a 87.66% on PSN profiles for PS5. Of course, that's an easier plat we already talked about on the show, but PSA, play that game if you haven't. It's very touching, very moving, and I think it's important that we support these types of things on the PlayStation Network, so go and check that out. But Slugger, what do you think of these five choices? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'll leave Super Meat Boy for last. Uh, Light in the Darkness, everyone's, I know, like, everyone's posting this platinum. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I'm happy about. Go go play it. Is it good? I haven't touched it yet. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, you know, it's really tough to talk about because as a game, I don't think it's very good. <laughs> like, in terms of mechanically and visual representation and those types of things, it's very, very budget, right? But it's also important to note that this game is free. So, and it only takes about an hour to an hour and a half to get the platinum in and play through. But the messaging and the story behind it is really important. And I'm I'm sure most of our listeners are obviously very aware of World War II history and the Holocaust and things like that. But this kind of gives you a more zoomed in view at just one particular family in France and the events surrounding them and what happened. So I just think it's important that we not only look at games as a specific type of thing, they can also be this, right? They can also be these smaller experiences that have something important to say. And so, yeah, go and check it out if you haven't already. Light in the Dark, just happy a lot of people have been posting it. Cool. I will, I'll throw that on the to-do list. Maybe I'll do that this weekend. I know you said it could be done pretty quickly. It's a good, yeah, just um, evening game. But yeah. Seems like a good good experience. Let's see. Inscription. Daryl, I'll let you mainly tackle that one because I know you played that. I, I've i never played it, but it's like very high on my want to play list. Like I want to knock it out within the next couple months. Final Fantasy 16. Really interesting because I remember I was so hyped about this game. I was telling you guys about like all the posts I was seeing online with the demo <laughs> launch. And I was like, yeah, I pre-ordered it. I'm going to play it. And then I haven't even touched it yet. <laughs> um, go check the repent I, your sins channel you'll find sluggers pre-order yeah. post <laughs> I, pr- I friggin pre-ordered this game i was so stoked to play it and then D- diablo 4 kind of hooked me a little late right when this game came out um like so i don't know i i do need to start it i will start it here in the next like week or two i'm trying to beat the story of diablo which i'm pretty close i'm on like act four and uh that's like a 250-hour game, by the way. Freaking ridiculous. Yikers, for the dude. Platinum. It's longer than so, uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected now, post-patch. Interesting. Diablo 2 is like 200 hours now. So. Wow. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, my plan with that game is beat the story, jump to Final Fantasy 16, and then Diablo 4 is kind of going to be a work in progress over probably over the next year, just something I casually jump into every now and then. Uh, Stray, I played. I loved it. I think it's leaving the, the subscription service soon. I don't know how much time you have on that. You might have missed the window if you're hearing my voice right now. But if you haven't played this, it can be done in about two days. So see if it's on that sub service or the PlayStation Extra. Check it out. 
Yeah, it's thirty dollars if you don't, right? Because I looked into just purchasing it and like outright. So it's a little bit too expensive, I think. I added it to my wish list. I will also call out for those Xbox players that are listening, if there are some overlap. Uh, it is coming to Xbox finally as well. So if you want to play it over there, you can. Dope. And then Super Meat Boy. I don't know what to say out of say about this out, other than, like, I'm so damn impressed. Like, this is one of those Platinums that I think a lot of trophy hunters would love to have on their profile. But the amount of time, practice... An investment you have to put into like getting this platinum is ridiculous. I know Skrillis has played it. He has pretty. He actually has pretty decent progress in it. Yeah, I totally. Know he was telling me where he spent like hours, hours and hours just like figuring one level out, like how to get through certain levels without dying, and to do that for however many levels are in that game, hundreds of levels. Like I don't know. It's it's crazy to me. People can stay so focused on one game like that, especially when it's something simple with not a lot of mechanics. Like it's just a platformer and you run and you jump. Yep. And and you do it like perfectly. St- yeah. And to stay focused for hundreds of hours on such a simple game with simple mechanics like that. Like, I don't know. Hats off to you, sir. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Very well done. Jesus Christ. I mean, 0.33% on PSMP. That's such a rare I, I can't recall off the top of my head what Wolfenstein 2 is, but it's, like, at that level of, like, really, really, really rare. So, pretty uh, pretty impressive. But, Daryl, what jumps out to you? Um, So, I've had the pleasure of playing three of the five games, and those three, they're all great games. I really enjoyed my time with all of it. Uh, the Light in the Darkness, not really a long game, but like you said, Colin, the overall just behind it, just a chill narrative game just to play. But, you know, the the overall historical piece to it is probably the thing that really attracted me to this game the most. Um, just, you know, diff- different stories you can play out. And I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, it it's just crazy that <laughs> this happened in mankind's history. Yeah, it's not even that long um, ago. It's less than a hundred years ago, so we're we're really only two generations away from when this happened to people, you know. So it's just it's pretty wild. Yeah, great game. Uh, shout out to Pat. Pat's the one that put this in the Discord, so I'm really glad he put that out there, um, and that a lot more people are really getting the chance to play this game. Yep. Um, it is buggy, of course. There was a time where I had to interact with a character to progress the game. And I, I never got a prompt, so I'm just sitting there like thinking, oh, am I supposed to do something? And then I realized <laughs> I had to restart the game. And then uh, there's some other bugs in the game, but it's not a perfect game, but it is a fun game to enjoy. Uh, let's see, Stray. Stray's another one. Uh, Stray is going to be leaving the service uh, July 8th. No, no, it's 20. It, it, it's a little over a week. You got a little over a week to play the game. And I'm glad I was able to play it before I left the service because Stray was fun. I really enjoyed playing as a cat. Um, the story behind it is pretty cool too. You know, uh, just just you're, you're a cat and you're wandering around the city full of robots, and it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. Without and, spoiling it, does it ever tell you why there's no humans and it's all robots? Uh, it does mention it. Okay. In the game, it does mention that in the game. I mean, that shit's yeah, right was... up my alley, so. Yeah, you're going to have a good time with it. It does say why the humans aren't there anymore. I won't really 
say any, I won't yeah, yeah. say any much further, but sure. it is fun. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, I really did not think I was going to enjoy this game, but it, it was a really fun experience. Inscription. Inscription is a great game. Uh, I'm hoping you guys will get the chance to play this game. It sounds like Slugger's going to be playing it pretty soon. Uh, the game at first, right off the bat, just seems like a simple, you know, hard game, you know, kind of thing. But it really, really gets more, like, weirder. There's, like, this very, very sinister thing going on with the game that... I really enjoyed the most. So I'm really glad that Zachary exactly got to play it. And Slugger and I were just talking before the episode. It seemed like he got the platinum pretty quick. Yeah, um, it did. So I don't know how like how good he might have been in the game. He got lucky. But for me, the game felt like it took ages before I got the platinum. So if you got it quick, man, you got some skills with that game. It could so one of I mean a couple things. He could be really good at those type of card games, right? And also it could just be that like he'd been playing it for a while in the background and we had no idea. But either way, it's very cool to have. And he also played and platinumed uh Dredge, another list that you reviewed, Daryl, which was another kind of like semi whore. Remember that like fishing game where you had the boat? Yep. yep. So it's kinda on a whore kick recently, dude. And he also played Rune King, League of Legends story, so I was picking some bangers, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good stuff there. Final Fantasy 16, I'm just kind of surprised that the Platinum is that high already. Although, to be fair, I don't really... I've not played the game, so I don't know how difficult that is or whatever. We'll talk more about that game next time. A little sneak peek for you, but... Uh, yeah, it's... It's a, I think, really good Platinums here from everybody. I'm really excited to try to get to Stray at some point. I want to make it my S game for Pat's A to Z challenge, but I'm not going to get extra just for that right now, so I'll just end up getting it a la carte at some point. I'm probably never going to touch Super Meat Boy, but I would shout out that there's a really good documentary called Indie Game, which talks to multiple different game developers over the course of their development of said games. And one of those they talk about is Super Meat Boy with Edward McMullen or Edmund McMullen. Can't exactly recall. And they also look at like Fez and a couple other ones. And that's a really cool documentary that you can get some behind the scenes on how that game was made. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, very good. Slugger, anything else you want to add before we move on? Nope. I feel like I got a lot of work to do. Description, Light in the Darkness, Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> you got straight done, though. You got straight done, right? For me, Stray's done. I've got the shortest one on here done. I've got none of the other four done. So. <laughs> yep. But Inscription is a good one for that A to Z challenge because there's not a ton of games that start with I when I was looking. So something to think about. I really wanted to play that as a Halloween game, but there's so many freaking bangers or potential bangers launching in October. So I'm like yeah, really hesitant dude. to wait that long. It's like Alone in the Dark and uh, Alan Wake 2 are both amazing for October and they both come out in October. So you've Super, got Super Mario Wonder. Super Mario Wonder on the Switch, which I've pre-ordered, by the way. Um, yeah, I have too. Yeah, I pre-ordered that and Pikmin 4. My Switch is going to be getting some good use. And Starfield comes out in September. I'm going to be all over the place, dude. Yeah, busy um, fall. Busy fall. All right, guys. Very good. Let's move on then to our Patreon shout-out. So if you like what, you, what we do and you like the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash trophytalkpodcast and check out our various tiers of support over there, ranging all the way from a bronze tier up to the platinum tier. So this is 
where we wanted to just say a really big thank you, heartfelt thank you to everybody who supports the show. It really does mean a lot and helps us to do things like host the podcast, host the race, etc., etc. So this is a big thank you to Maximum Carnage, the Sly G. Cooper, which on the day of recording, it is his birthday today. So happy birthday, sir. Skrillis, Pat the Trophy Hunter, King K6969, B Down, Diego Juan, the Portland Kevin, Zachary, First Mage, Buff Cupcake, Thrawn, and Against Me 75. So thank you all so much for your support of the show. We really do appreciate it. And with that, we are going to get into our Patreon submitted questions. If you would support us over there at the silver tier or above, you get to write in questions each and every episode that we answer and discuss. So let's go first to EDJ3DG. And he wants to know, guys, what is the best homemade meal that you have ever had? Slugger, we'll go to you first. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, I got a, a few. Uh, I would say first and foremost, it would be my wife's chili. Mm. Uh, very simple, very delicious. And I think for me, like, it's... It's all the things that are happening around the chili, which is why I love it so much, because it's normally like fall food, which means it's football season, which means we're like, we're throwing this in the crock pot in the morning. Oh. And then by the time we get to game time, it's just like going nuts on it. I'm not going to do any of that BS that you guys used to argue about on the show way back when, where it's like, do you put a cinnamon roll in chili? Oh, hell no, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude. I'm not about that life. I do love chili, but I don't dip anything in it, you know? Maybe yeah. just a slice of sourdough or something on the side, but that's it. Yeah. So it's funny, as I say that, my runner up, it's more of an appetizer than a meal, but her chicken wing dip, like buffalo wing dip, oof, where it's just shredded chicken. Frank's hot sauce, blue cheese, cream cheese, all and and then like normal cheese just scattered on top of it, or shredded cheese scattered on top of it. Another football food, another football favorite. I think I just like fall and food that reminds me of football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, and then my third runner-up. I don't know if I can do this because it says the best homemade meal that you've ever had. I would throw my own. Okay. In there. Well, with... if you've had it, that's fine. You made it. <laughs> yeah, I guess it counts. Um, so we have this butcher shop in town where, you know, fresh meats, all that stuff. We hadn't really ever been to a butcher in our lives until we moved to Arkansas. So about five years ago, um, we were like kind of bored checking out the new city and we're like, oh, let's swing by this butcher shop. And I bought one of their like a cut of one of the ribeyes and this thing was like a good like inch and a half thick like ridiculously thick oh yeah um, threw it on the grill in the backyard uh cooked that bad boy up like one cut of it is enough to feed me and my wife and probably still have leftovers but like their cuts of steak are so so good where that's like my go-to meal whenever we have family visiting from out of town is like hey i'm gonna go drop a ton of money and we're gonna have steaks one of these nights because I need you guys to see how good these steaks are. So in that order, chili, buffalo wing dip, steaks specifically from this butcher shop. Ooh, <laughs> this local fuck butcher yeah, shop. Dude. So and then and then we buy all the fixings for the steak. So uh you can buy a whole bunch of like side items that are like pre prepared. Uh so there's like twice baked potatoes, uh bacon wrapped jalapenos with cream cheese in them. Uh, 
stuffed mushrooms, throw some asparagus in there, and then you have like a freaking five course meal pretty Oof. much ready to go. Oof. Love it. I'll I'll eat myself to the point of where I'm getting like meat sweats off off of their food. <laughs> God damn, that's oh, that's awesome. On, you wouldn't know what that is. No, I don't really know what meat sweats are, but I'll tell you this. It can't be healthy. <laughs> no, it's, it's probably not. There's, there's no probably way. Some, yeah. There's probably some horrible <laughs> thing happening in your body that causes you to get really hot and uncomfortable and sweaty it's after like a, eating that much red meat. It's a form of osmosis where you're in, absorbing the red meat to become your own muscle. And you're <laughs> letting your own muscle sweat out of you. That's what's happening. You're turning part pig or part cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great, though. Those are really good choices. I mean, I also love the fall time. And while I don't watch a ton of football, I love the whole casserole sort of idea and mentality or these like dishes that are like really warm and hearty. And just that time of year is my favorite time of year. So I, I totally yeah. get with. Yeah, with, with what you're saying. Controversial, though. We'll see what Daryl has to say, but controversial to throw the wife's cooking out over the mother's cooking. That's going to be a topic of conversation. So, uh, Daryl, what do you have to say? Ooh, I'm going to have to say my wife. Ooh, uh, doubling makes up. The best homemade meals for me uh, ever since we've been together. I'll say the best one she makes every now and then is her enchiladas. Mm. So, her enchiladas are the best. You know dishes I've ever had. It's so good. I love that she's like very like methodical about it. She doesn't. She gets like the right chicken. Like at the store, she gets the rotisserie chicken mm-hmm. and just like peels all the chicken off the bone and just makes sure that it's like just nothing but chicken. And then like she she just works her magic. She gets the tortillas. She does like some really tasty sauce with like green sauce and then like oh. some spices and thrown in there and she like wraps it up in the ch- in the chicken and then she puts everything so organized into the dish pan so everything's like really layered out and then she like she makes two layers so like the first layer she puts like a ton of cheese on it and then the next layer is more enchiladas rolled up and then you know she puts that layer on top more cheese more sauce it's so good. Like every time she's like telling me I'm making enchiladas for dinner, I'm like, yes, <laughs> it's gonna, it's like my favorite meal, and I know I'm gonna have leftovers for the next few days. So I I like it. It's like really good, and I feel like her her uh, enchiladas are even better the day after she makes it. It's oh, like that, yeah, like it that. soaks up that sauce, dude. Yeah, it's it's like the the layer of cheese that was like all hot and gooey is kind of like dried up. And it's almost like eating like, like a toasted enchilada instead. Oof, um, God, that sounds so good. I fucking yeah. love like Mexican food, right? So, oh, dude, I I could eat enchiladas like every day. You're a lucky man. I am. It, it's good. It's been a while since she's made them, but I feel like the, the time is coming up soon mm-hmm. that you know enchiladas will be being served one night at our house. Oh yeah. That's that's great, and I like the verde sauce too. Because I mean, I like enchiladas with with red or green sauce, but I have a special. I like the green sauce more, you know. So if that's what if that's what she does too, that's that's amazing. Yep, she does use the green sauce, man. It just oh, yeah. tastes better. Yeah, I, I don't know. I dig it with like for salsas too. I prefer verde over like the red salsa. So 
Uh, yeah, I feel it. I feel it, I'd man. I agree with that. Yeah. There's something about it. It's a little tangier. It's got like a little lime or something in it. It's just, it tastes really good. Like if I'm getting like street tacos, I'm not looking to like kill my behind. I like the the green sauce because it's a good mix of like, there's a tiny little bit of spice, but a lot of flavor. Yeah. A lot more flavor than spice. 100%. We've got this little market slash taqueria near where we work, where Daryl and I work. And they it's called Azteca and they have really good salsas there. But their red salsa, dude, gives me like... <laughs> It just fucks me up like every time. <laughs> and I used to get when I would go there, they you give they give you like a side of it or whatever. I used to get two sides for my burrito, and I would have both of them on the burrito, and I would just be destroyed. So nowadays, when I go, I gotta get like one, and I don't even finish it. You know, just use it really sparingly. Yeah, yeah, it's intense. It's intense. Um, well, yeah, I would say that my wife is is an amazing cook, and my favorite meal is a meal that she makes as well. I don't want to discredit my mom's cooking, though, because I think my mom is actually a really good cook. It's just that she grew up in the Midwest, in Illinois, and cooking was just different back then. And honestly, she was telling me, like, she didn't even know what, like, an avocado was until she was, like, 30 years old or something, you know? So it's just kind of like... It's just different. I, not to say that avocados have to be in everything, but just like the Midwest, that cooking style, you're not as exposed to different like sauces and flavors and spices and all that kind of stuff. But funny enough, the thing I think my wife is the best at making is a newer dish, and it's stuffed manicotti. So you take those massive like pasta shells, and mm-hmm. you stuff them with like ricotta cheese, mozzarella, parmesan, garlic, like you know, like spinach, like all these things. And then you put like a red vodka sauce over them and then you bake them in the oven and it's just like incredible. So yeah, I'm a sucker for like really anything Italian food, but when she made this, so she's made it probably three or four times now. The first time she made it, I had thirds. Okay. I barely ever have seconds when I eat. I had thirds (laughs) to where it was like, she made like a whole tray of this stuff and i thought we would have so much leftovers and we had barely any because we both just ate so much of it and then the second time she made it my mom was in town visiting and i had seconds when i ate it and i was just like man this is just like incredible i had to like force myself to stop so i wouldn't eat more of it again and we'd actually have some for the next day but that dish is really great and then the runner-up is another one that she makes which is it's sort of like uh you do it in a pan but it's orzo so you know the kind of like for yeah, I don't know how else. It's like with risotto, those kind of like small little rice grain noodles. And it's a red sauce, but it's orzo, this like tomatoes, um, chickpeas, dill, sliced orange. So not the actual, or orange peels rather. So not the orange itself, but just the peel, um, feta, and a couple other things. And you let it like marinate. And it's just incredibly good. It's got this like really sort of like hearty red sauce flavor, but with like a zest of that orange peel in there that just gives it kind of like a little brightness almost. It's tough to describe, uh, but it's really good. So yeah, definitely. Sounds like all of our wives are pretty incredible cooks, which is an, is a really lucky thing for all of us. <laughs> so yeah, so that's great. Uh, yeah. Quick question. Mm. I'm assuming since I'm forgetting, there's some listeners out there who may be forgetting. Are you vegetarian or vegan? I'm vegetarian, not vegan. So I will eat eggs and cheese. So I'll have dairy. I must admit, so, you know, my wife's been out of town for like two weeks, right? And one of my guilty pleasures is on pizza, I'll sometimes get pepperoni. That's like one of the few meats that I'll sometimes get. And there's this New York style pizza place in our town where I got a large pepperoni and jalapeno pizza since she's been gone. Oh, my God. Fucking awesome. 
that's my go-to pizza layout is pepperonis and jalapenos oh i don't dude. think there's a better combo it's so good it's the saltiness the like oh dude the acid it's great and then you know i dip the crust in ranch a little bit too Oof. Ooh. i don't do it a lot but i i discovered it one time you do pepperonis and pineapples mm. and jalapenos and the combo of those are you get then you throw in like the sweetness of the pineapples and it's just like a whole new like just that one simple ingredient change makes it an entirely different pizza. Still very, very good. Oh, I'll have to check it out. I, I normally frown against the, the pineapple because I don't like fruit. I don't like the idea of putting fruit on my pizza, but I should try it out. See, if you're feeling guilty about the pepperonis, you should try the pineapple and jalapeno. I think the mix of the spicy and sweet, I think you'll like. Okay. Yeah. This is a good idea. I'll have but to try that out. But you don't take my recommendations, so... You'll Are you kidding me? I just Platinum Ghost Runner. I fucking bought Returnal <laughs> from Amazon. I got a physical copy of it right next to me. It's installed on my hard drive. I'm ready to go, okay? After Final All Fantasy VI, right. Returnal is up next, so it's I'm coming. I'm stoked for you to play that. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Oh, I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna love it, and I'll be like, why didn't anyone tell me to play this game <laughs> for, like, for like three years? <laughs> Meanwhile, you and Skrills are like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. All right. Well, very good. Thank you, EDJ, 3DG. Let us know what your favorite meals are, your favorite home-cooked meals are that you've had in the episodes channel in the Discord once we post this. I'll be curious to hear what everyone has to say. And with that, we will move on to the Portland Kevin guest on episode 88 of the show. And he is writing in and saying, or asking, I guess, do we have any good book recommendations? From time to time, I will post in the Life channel, you know, what various books I'm reading or anything like that. And I've been trying to do a better job of reading more consistently, but I certainly used to do it more when I was younger. So I'm curious what you guys have to say for this. Daryl, we'll go to you first. Do you have any book recommendations for Kevin? Ooh, I'm going to say it's been a minute since I picked up a book and read. Uh, I do not have any current books that I've been reading but I mean let's say the the only book I can clearly remember was the Game of Thrones books mm. I mean those are great Pretty, books I mean they are good books I really enjoy them um so that's I, that's one book series I would recommend it's the only one I can really think of did you read all five and of those so I treated that series like an unfinished game. When I <laughs> when when I stopped reading and came back to it like a month later, I read from where I left off and I was like, you know what? I don't remember anything. So I'm going all <laughs> the way back to book one, page one, and starting oh, over again. No big deal. They're only like a thousand pages a piece. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did that about three times before I finally realized I'm not doing this again. Okay. So where I left off, I think I stopped that book three again and just was like, you know what? I already watched the show. Everything's already spoiled. But I did like the writing. The writing was what really was uh, the highlight of that that book series. Yeah. He's he's a really great author. George Railroad Martin, R.R. Martin. Uh, he also, of course, famously helped write some of the world and the lore for Elden Ring in the game space, but he's done a ton of other short stories and stuff that I recommend you check out, including uh, he's got a franchise of a couple books talking about vampires in Louisiana, which is really cool. And yeah, so good, good choice on that. Definitely. 
But that's all you got, huh? Game of Thrones, nothing else recently, which is fine. Just double checking. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Harry Potter's good too. There you go. Good. <laughs> there you go. You can do I deep read cuts. That back when I was like seventeen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure what you're looking for, but those are only two books I've read that I can proudly say that I've read. You know, at some point in my life. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think. When you look at like polls and statistics for recent years, like more and more people read less, you know, like, or it's confusing because you actually do read a lot. You just don't realize it. Right. I mean, throughout your day on your phone, you're reading all the time, but less and less people read novels sort of front to back as often anymore, which is interesting. Um, But yeah, let's pass it over to you, Slugger. What do you have for book recommendations? Uh, To continue off that thought before I answer, I think like just the amount of screen time and entertainment options, like the increase of those, I could easily see why people read less. I know for me, like in high school, like I love to read. I read books left and right um, because I was only able to get maybe two or three games a year. So I'd be done with a game in, you know, a month or so. And then it's like, well, now what do I do until my parents buy me another game. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to the library and check out a book. Yeah. Uh, so and don't I, forget you know, that you I would read... have to TiVo fucking shows, right? If you were lucky enough to have TiVo. Otherwise, you just caught stuff live weekly. So yeah, you also I... didn't have like 10 streaming services to choose whatever you wanted to from. Yeah, I was one of those unlucky families that didn't have TiVo. So it was like, cool, we have these like 50 VHS tapes in the closet, which I've seen every one of these movies like 10 times over. I got nothing else to do or consume. I'm going to read books. Um, I do miss it, but now with kids and everything else, like my free time just goes to games. But I do still have recommendations, stuff I read way back in the days. Uh, one of these was um, an audiobook we listened to on a very long road trip. And the other one I read, yeah. So two of them I read in high school. Uh, one of those being the Dark Tower series. I'll be honest. <laughs> I... This is like on my to-do list. If I ever get back into reading, I own all of them. I've only read the first two, mm. but I've read the I've read the first book through like three times because it's one of those things where like I read the first book and then I take a break and then I go to read the second book and I'm like, oh man, I should probably read the first book again because I don't really remember what happened. <laughs> and then I like, re- re- it's kind of like dropping games and I repeat that cycle over and over and over. But I know it's very highly regarded. It is like a daunting series to get into, though. There's eight books. A lot of and they're Stephen King books, so a lot of them are really long. Looking here on Wikipedia, if the entirety of the whole series, all eight books, four thousand two hundred fifty pages, if you were to read all of them. Jesus Christ. Um. But. It's interesting because you you follow this dude, Roland, I believe is his name, and he's like one of the last gunslingers, which in this universe, they like the gunslingers were considered like knights, I guess, like protectors. And when you hear gunslinger, you're thinking like Western cowboy. That's essentially what he is. At least that's how I pictured him. But when you look at the covers of some of the books, like he straight up looks like a cowboy, just like old school Western cowboy with revolvers. Um, But there's like, there's universe hopping and time travel. If you look at the genres, like that Wikipedia list, like it's dark fantasy, science fantasy, horror, Western, like there's 
so many things at play through this whole series, but you follow this dude Roland on his search for the Dark Tower. Like, he is just... And he's also chasing this other guy, like the main villain in the story, the Man in Black. And um, <laughs> the entirety of the first book is him just chasing the Man in Black and, like, trying to catch up to him. Mm. And then the second book kind of dives into, like... And this is about as much as I know of it. Um, there's, like, this really weird stuff where, like, the main character, Roland... I don't want to, like, spoil too much, but... If I like describe the first part, it's literally only the first chapter of the second book. So you're, I'm not spoiling too much, but like there's a thing where he can like essentially go and see through other people's eyes. Like he walks through a doorway and he can like, he ends up, he's in this, this world. Roland is in this world that's passed on. And then he like walks through this doorway and is like in the future. So I'll stop there because I, I am spoiling it a little bit, but yeah, just a lot of weird, cool time travel stuff. If you're a Stephen King fan, I know there's tons of references to all his other books in this series. Um, those are fun to kind of figure out. Uh, second book was a single book, 11, 22, 63, also by Stephen King. They made a Hulu series of this book. Have you guys uh, seen That's this why I've heard, heard of, of it. Yeah, that's why I've heard of it. Okay, I, I have no idea what it's about, but... I have heard of it. Yeah. So this was the one me and my wife uh, listened to through an audiobook. We were driving from Texas up to New York, which is like a 24 hour drive up there. So we'd drive, it was about a three day trip. We'd drive about eight to 10 hours each day. And it took us about three days to make that drive. So listen to it all the way up there, listen to it all the way back. I think we finished it about an hour outside of like getting to our house on our return trip. It is a long ass book. There's 849 pages. I had to look that up too, because I remember thinking like, holy cow, like this thing is just never ending. Um, but what 112263 is about is this guy essentially finds this portal or is made aware of this portal that allows him to time travel or go back in time. And like his bright idea is he can go back and go back in time and stop the JFK assassination. And uh, it's I was him. gonna say that date seems familiar, dude. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So like the hero of the story, a lot of the book is him like trying to figure out how the time travel works and he starts off making like small choices uh to kind of see how it would affect the future because he could go out and make a choice and then jump back into the future and kind of see what happened, see what changed. And then he'd be like, all right, cool. I'm comfortable with that. And then rinse and repeat. And the whole thing is him trying to stop the JFK assassination. I think there's a lot of people who love like the conspiracy theories about that or just really interest, interested in that whole assassination and the history of that. Like this goes pretty in depth into a lot of those. And it's kind of cool to see like a, a fictional spin on the story um but if you like time travel sci-fi type of stuff uh or even like history type of stuff um i would highly recommend this it is long there were some chapters where stephen king is sitting there spending like 20 pages describing like the school building and it's like why dude can you just mm -hmm. can you just describe this in half a page like why are we spending 20 pages on this um the little camp out yeah 
but very, very good. If you're interested, like I said, there's a Hulu series. I don't, it, it was the typical, like the book was way better than the show. I think the show is all right, but I would highly recommend either listening to the audiobook or reading the book first. And then the last one I mentioned was, or kind of had noted was The Road by Cormac McCarthy, which Colin, I think you had read that recently, right? Yeah, I read that last year, actually. Yeah, I hadn't, I haven't read it in a long time. I read this in high school when I was a senior, I believe. And I was thinking, <laughs> I'm trying to think if The Last of Us was out by that point in time. I don't think it was. So this book, came, yeah, it, it was not. The Last of Us came out in 2013. But yeah, okay. I remember playing The Last of Us and immediately thinking of this book. But this book is like way darker than The Last of Us. Like the general gist is like, it's a post-apocalyptic United States. Some type, type of like extin extinction event happens where the whole country just in ruins and it's a father and son kind of just like trying to survive, trying to gather food, trying to survive like the country try, or like nature just, I guess. Mm -hmm. Thirst, it, hunger, famine. Yeah, yeah. All that shit. Trying to survive that, but then they're also trying to survive like other people who are trying to survive that. And it delves into like cannibalism and raiders and people doing really effed up shit to mm -hmm. like, stay alive and it's it's not a fun read but it's a very good read like you'll finish the book and like be extremely depressed i don't think i ever like felt good reading this at all no but um, it's quick it's only a few hundred pages i think like 300 yeah, or something two, 287 pages there you go got the wiki pulled up um it's a quick read i would say if you like post-apocalyptic type stuff or if you really dug the last of us um this is a good one not as fun as The Last of Us plays. I think The Last of Us is a really fun game. It is depressing, but it's fun. There's no fun in this story. Yeah, there's very <laughs> little very... humor or positive. There's maybe one kind of chapter or two where there's some sort of like, oh, this they feel okay, they feel safe kind of thing going on, yeah, but that's a about bit it. Of hope. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I guess those would be my three. So the Dark Tower series, 11, 22, 63, and The Road. Those are all great. Yeah, and Harry Potter and Game of Thrones. Really good. The Road. I've not. I've actually not seen the movie. It's really good. It the way the book makes you feel is probably the same way I felt about the movie. Just thinking, man, this is such a terrible way to live, man. Yeah, it's just so fucking bleak, you know. Yeah, there's a scene in the movie where I was like, dude, I will never do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like. <laughs> I, I really cannot say. How I mean, you I don't know, right? It's just game. you. Yeah. You're trying to take care of the, your son. Like you'll do, you'll do lots of shit. You know, like in the in the end times. So. Yeah, it, it really made me sad. I was like, man, why you gotta be like that to him? <laughs> <laughs> and that's with Vigo Mortensen, right? Like uh, Aragorn is the main guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Okay. Cool, cool. Um, well, so I I still try to read a decent amount as people probably know who are in the discord and stuff. And, you know, I, I really like reading, but I, I basically do it just about 20 minutes a day now in the evening. And yeah, I've got lots of recommendations. I'll try to keep it brief. I mean, the first one that I would say is a sci-fi series called the expanse. 
there is an Amazon show slash sci-fi channel show for five seasons that covers the books, but it doesn't cover all of the books, of which there are nine of them, and I read all of them at the time that they released, so there's like a year or two or three in between each book, and it's just incredible. It's basically this story about the solar system and the expansion of humanity into the expanse of space. There's a lot of politics there with like Mars being its own government versus Earth being its own government versus the outer asteroid belt being, being its own government. Then you mix in aliens, then you mix in some sort of like interdimensional rifts and stuff like that. But it's it's pretty well grounded in terms of like the technology and how it talks about the space stations, how they're built, how the ships work, those kinds of things. It's just in a really incredible franchise. It's by James S.A. Corey, and I really highly recommend it. If you're curious at all about it in a game sense, there actually is from the, from Telltale a the Expanse series game coming out at the end of this month. It's going to be episodic and it's going to run for about a month and a half. I'm really excited to check that out. I'm assuming the platinum will be easy to get as well because it's the Telltale game. So, yeah, really recommend that. I also really heavily recommend Patrick Rothfuss, who writes a story uh, called The Wise Man's Fear and The Name of the Wind. We are still waiting on the third book in the Kingkiller Chronicle, but it's a fantasy series. Basically, the way I would describe it is a very adult Harry Potter. And uh, yeah, so if that's intriguing to you, I would check that out. I would also say that um, George R.R. Martin, like you talked about, Daryl, fantastic writer. Stephen King is a fantastic writer. I've just started a new massive uh, franchise and epic fantasy series by Brandon Sanderson called The Stormlight Archives. I am on the first book, The Way of Kings, which is about 900 pages. I'm only about 150 into that. So far, it's awesome. I've never read anything that describes the world in the way that this book does. It's very unusual in terms of sci-fi. You know, it's not like elves and dwarves and those kinds of things it's talking about like giant crabs and like crustaceans and planes of massive rock that have like budding vines coming out of it and stuff. it's just very hard to describe it just i've never really like imagined a world like that before it's very unique so i would say that that is quite good and i would recommend that and in terms of like gaming stuff like if you're someone who's like hey i want to read more but like i don't really know i really like video games like where do i start honestly the Halo books are very good. I mean, they're popcorn reads. They're like something you can take to the beach and finish in like a few hours even or whatever. I've got 10 of them on the shelf in front of me right now that I'm looking at. I've read quite a few of them, and they're all very solid. The same goes for the Resident Evil books, actually, which are, weirdly enough, like pretty fun reads and only a couple hundred pages each. So I recommend those. And then last but not least, in terms of nonfiction, a couple authors I think that are worth checking out. Chuck Klosterman does sort of pop culture meets investigative journalism, and he sort of looks at the ways that random events in the world are correlated across time in maybe in uh, unusual ways or ways that you wouldn't initially think about. His most famous book is uh, Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs, but he's also got, you know, Eating the Dinosaur, I Wear the Black Hat, and Killing Yourself to Live. And then last but not least, David Sedaris does really funny comical observations about life. And he sort of writes in like short form sort of journalism and short essays. So check those out. And I forgot last two, I I promise. Um, Edgar Allan Poe, read his shit. If you haven't, get a collection of his books or his short stories and read them. Uh, H.G. Wells, read the short stories of that. They're incredible. And then also uh, H.P. Lovecraft. If you like Bloodborne, if you like, you know, gothic horror, that kind of thing, read H.P. Lovecraft. It is fantastic. So, yeah, those are my recommendations. 
Great question, though, the Portland Kevin. I love talking about books. So hopefully, if you're at all curious and being like, hey, I should read something, you like one of our recommendations and you check it out, let us know. All right, guys. Maximum Carnage writes in. You know how he goes. Let's see who's who here. <laughs> Greetings, Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup. Obviously, I'm fucking Buttercup because I'm blonde. Uh, yeah. Or wait, sorry, Bubbles. Obviously, I'm Bubbles because I'm blonde. All right. So that's fine with me. Yeah, Buttercup's the badass. Uh, Buttercup's badass. The green one. Yeah, and Blossom's kind of like the main character energy, the redhead. I will say, yeah. Powerpuff Girls is incredible and highely underrated. Okay, so if you are like, oh, it's a show for girls only, it's not, dude. That show's sick. It's got really good action in it. Go check it out. I've been trying to get my daughter into it. She hasn't bit yet, but I'm, I'm determined. Yeah, yeah. It's I really enjoyed it as a kid. It was sort of one of my guilty pleasure cartoons. Um, but okay, so he says, greetings, Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup. What are some of your favorite video game soundtracks? And have you ever fallen down the YouTube rabbit hole of listening to covers or reworks of video game music? I got to shout out one artist in particular called Falk, Falcony, I think is how you pronounce it. F-A-L-K-K-O-N-E. This guy specializes in intense symphonic metal covers, all video game and anime music. He has released 47 albums on Spotify since 2017 covering everything from Final Fantasy to Dark Souls, from Pokemon to Yu-Gi-Oh! The music backlog is deep. So, Slugger, I'm going to pass it over to you while I go and clean up my cat's throw-up, who just threw up on the ground. I'll be oh, right back. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be right back. All right, sweet. Um, this is my favorite subject. When we do like game reviews or I'm posting about a Platinum, I feel like one of the like main topics I always bring up is like, how was the music in the game? Because I've when you look at games that are like really iconic, like Halo, uh, it's a bummer Colin's not here because I think Colin would agree. Like the Halo theme really kind of adds a lot to that game. Like just about anyone can recognize that theme. But so the first part, what are some of my favorite video game soundtracks? I've talked about this game so much in the Discord. I feel like everyone should play this game. Uh, it's Sayonara Wild Hearts. I'm going to slow down a little bit and say that again. Sayonara Wild Hearts. Um, it's an indie game. I believe it's free through Apple Arcade. If you're a phone gamer, uh, I've played it there once on an airplane. It's on PS4, PS5, any of the consoles, I believe. Um, I got the Platinum on PS4. I've replayed the game probably three or four more times because I loved it so much, even after I got the Platinum, which is very very rare for me this is one of the few games that i keep going back to even though i've got the 100 percent in it i like i hate to list the game but i guess like what this is the game's almost like an interactive like pop music video um like you follow this girl whose heart is broken and it's her kind of going through time and space to kind of piece her heart back together each level is like it's every level is a song off the album um and they're like they're really trippy levels really crazy visuals very colorful the music's bumping um it's just a overall like really feel good game and it's like i said i've played it so many times like it's my go-to when I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I don't really, I'm not really feeling anything. And I'll end when I'm in that mood, I'll end up going back to this. Like I keep it installed on my system. Um, Cause it's just so fun to go through. You can beat it in about an 
hour, hour and a half. So like I said, the whole game is essentially one album of music. Um, but it's very poppy. Highly recommend checking out a trailer. Um, we're trying to like play this. I don't want to say play it on a phone, but there's a, it's a cheap game. I see it on sale all the time for like five, ten bucks. Um, but some of my favorite songs in the game. Uh, Fighting Hearts, Begin Again, Forest Ghost, and Parallel Universes. I would say those are like my top four songs in the game. So if you're listening to this, go to YouTube, check the songs out. I think if you like the music, you would really like the gameplay. So like I said, the gameplay is essentially a music video to these songs. The Sayonara uh, Wild Hearts? Yes, sir. Oh, let's go. Welcome back. Hello, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Thank God she, my cat didn't throw up on the brand new couch. Literally got delivered today. It was near oh, it, but God. it was not right on it. <laughs> that would have made me so bad. <laughs> yep. So yeah, check out Sayonara Wild Hearts. It, it goes on sale all the freaking time. It's cheap to begin with really really great experience i can't like beat my drum enough for that game um my follow-up getting into the nostalgic area uh donkey kong so i was gonna say donkey kong one at first and then prepping for the show i started listening to the album or the soundtrack for two and for three like that whole series especially like the original three on super nintendo i really haven't played anything past that but the original three on Super Nintendo like really had like the music vibes figured out. Like I listening back to some of those songs today, there's some that are kind of like funky and it's like, yeah, we're having fun and we're playing a platformer. <laughs> and that like level one um on Donkey Kong one, the song is called uh Island Swing. And that kind of like sets the mood for the game. It's like cheery and fun. And then like two or three levels later, you do your first like underwater level. And it's kind of like eerie and more muffled. And it's still like, uh, I don't know what they did for music on the Super Nintendo. I'm trying to think of like the right term. Yeah, it's um, like, uh, gosh, MIDI chip stuff. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I was looking for. Yeah. I don't know that it's quite that level. It's like somewhere in the middle between like a high production song you hear on the radio or on Spotify today and like a MIDI chip, but like, I guess the feelings and maybe it's nostalgia playing out in my head. Like I hear these songs and it's just like instantly warps me back to being like a kid sitting in front of the TV, like way too late at night going through Donkey Kong, just like <laughs> raging because I suck at the game. Um, but yeah, to me, the that whole soundtrack just invokes a lot of emotion. So a lot of it is nostalgia, but I do think like that series as a whole like has produced some of the more like iconic gaming songs. And Colin, yeah. you left. I I didn't like throw this out there, but I was talking about how I love music questions because mm. um, I like I think music can make or break a game. And I was talking about like Halo and how just about anyone, oh. whether they played Halo or not, can instantly tell halo based off that menu music <laughs> oh bro have you seen that like the fucking tiktok or that meme of, like this guy starts singing it in the bathroom and like three other guys like join in like from the different yeah. stalls like yeah it's, just, <laughs> it's amazing from that song like i yeah. think music can easily make or break a game or maybe not make or break but easily take a game from like an average game to like a very good game if the music's like yeah like well done final fantasy is um, known for having some of i think the best soundtracks in gaming 
and they're very iconic. You know, Resident Evil Save Room music is another one that jumps to mind yep. for me. Yeah. So yeah, I'll end it there and pass it to you guys. But Cyanide Wild Hearts and the original three Donkey Kongs on Super Nintendo, those are like, those are my jam. Hell yeah. Um, let's see. Well, just because I was just talking, Daryl, I don't want to like cut you off or whatever before you go. I'll just finish my thoughts on stuff. So obviously, like video game soundtracks. I mean, it's weird to say Resident Evil because it is specifically just the save room music, but Resident Evil Zero and Resident Evil. Code Veronica and Resident Evil 7 have some of the best save room music in the entire franchise that I encourage you guys to go and check out. You can find on YouTube like loops of like an hour of like all of the different like save room compilations from the franchise, but they're just really, really solid pieces of music. And in the context of the game where you like are constantly under threat and you feel this pressure and this stress and this horror, Right, you step into this room and you feel comfortable and you feel safe, and a lot of that is just the music. You know, it's the presence of the typewriter and the storage box, but it's also just this music that makes you feel comfortable, even in such a really dangerous setting. And so, I think it's really effective. Obviously, you brought up Halo. I mean, fucking a, you can't really. It's so iconic, right? I mean, some of the lesser known pieces are really iconic too, and you wouldn't even really think about it. But I guarantee you, if you listen to like soundtracks from Halo Two and Three, you'll recognize or even Reach, you'll recognize quite a few songs. Uh, Halo 3 ODST has a really good jazz soundtrack to it. Really, really melancholy, but very effective, and just makes the game way, way better than it would otherwise be. But I have to give a shout-out to a weird one here. I mean, maybe not weird, but, like, Skyrim, dude. Skyrim's OST is incredible, and I will still put it on to this day if I'm studying or writing or Uh... doing something. Yeah. I just thought of another. Which one? Fallout. I could talk all day about no Minecraft. Mm. Mm-hmm. It sounds sounds really dumb, but like the no, original it's good. Minecraft album is great. Study music is such like chill songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it like yeah. I totally agree with you on that. Um, but yeah, Skyrim and and for that matter, really Fallout Four in particular has a really great soundtrack of like classic nineteen forties fifties sort of music. It's weird, but if you kind of open your mind to it. And think about it in the context of the game, it's incredible. But but Skyrim is just, you know, such vivid memories of this, like, really ambient music and orchestral sort of, like, fantasy themes while looking up at the night sky in that game. Stoned out of my mind in college. Just, like, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I just, I can't even really describe it to you. It's like, it was such an intense sort of, like, month of my life where I had gotten out of this really, I gotten out of uh, the woman or the girl I told you about before where... I accidentally called my ex's mom and we talked for like 15 minutes, right? Um, that girl and I broke up and we've been dating for like four years. And to cope with it, I basically played Skyrim for like a month. <laughs> and so for like, for me, like Skyrim was like just that game. Like I just lost myself in it for hundreds of hours. And I wasn't really focused on the achievements, but I definitely like could have probably had all the achievements in that game. I did pretty much everything, all the quests, got all the masks, you know, yada, yada. It was, it's incredible. So Skyrim is certainly up there in terms of video game soundtracks and music. Also, Final Fantasy thirteen has got a very special soundtrack for me. I can still kind of remember some of those main tunes. And weirdly enough, Persona, even though I've never played it, I really love the soundtracks on YouTube for that, for Persona 3 and Persona 4 and some of those remixes. Yeah, yeah they're really, really Actually, cool. I had those written out and I pulled them off because I didn't want to go long, but like I just did the dancing, all like all the dancing games for 3, 4, and 5. Uh-huh. 
And those soundtracks are just so good. Like, I've never even beaten a Persona game, but I listen to the music, and I'm just like, man, they really know how to just, like, squeeze the style out of this game. Oh, it's a vibe, for sure. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's amazing while you're playing it, you know? Um, yeah, and in terms of, like, the second part of the question, right, the YouTube rabbit hole of covers or reworks, I, I haven't necessarily done that. I tend to just, like, YouTube search, like, the specific stuff I'm looking for or, like, maybe longer loops of it. But one thing I do really enjoy is lo-fi versions of stuff. So you can find like lo-fi Nintendo soundtracks, like a mix of 16-bit Nintendo and N64 stuff, like in like two-hour-long loops of lo-fi. That's really, really good. And like Studio Ghibli movies, which I know are not gaming specific, but it's kind of like cult, like, you know, pop culture stuff. Like Studio Ghibli, there is a cover of all those songs that is just like jazz remixes with like piano stuff mixed in. Incredible. Um, I'm a big fan of jazz music, if you couldn't tell, but like, I, th I think it's really, really good. So yeah, those would probably be my answers. And I'm sure I could talk forever about it if I kept thinking, but those are the first things that come to mind. So Daryl, well, let's go to you. What do you think? Uh, I got a few in mind. So <clears throat> I listened to an episode of Sacred Symbols, uh, a while back and they talked about the Gears of War soundtrack for part two. Mm. Uh, I thought that had some really good songs. It it definitely takes me back to the day where I got an Xbox so I can play Gears of War. And just listening to part two soundtrack, dude, it has some really good songs. It, it, it just puts you in that mood where you're just trying to kill some locusts and just be badass while you're doing it. <laughs> so... Really good song. I think the song that they um they shout out is uh something armory. Let me let me let me mm. see. I always just think of the Mad World song from the trailer for the first game, which is an incredible I mean, that's song. That's a pretty good one too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's depressing as fuck, but it's it's a great song, and that trailer is is really really good. So, Armor Prayer. So that that one when I heard it on that episode, I was like, let me check it out. Man, it definitely took me back to the days of just, you know, playing Gears of War. Just shooting down you know, locusts. <laughs> just that infamous chainsaw of death, dude. Just getting, you know, revving that bad boy up and just taking locusts out with it. Brings back some good memories. Too bad you the... don't have an Xbox, bro. We could play through some co-op stuff on uh, Gears. Because all of those are on Game Pass 1 through 5. Nice. Yeah. I, I would like to go back to that one day. I don't know when. Hopefully, I can go back and play some Gears. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. So, Gears was one. I really like the soundtrack for The Witcher 3. I think that that first trailer I see where Geralt's trying to f find Yennefer, and he's kind of just piecing everything together. Um, I, think I, I think that song alone is what kind of encouraged me to buy the game. And I'm not even sure how I ended up with a copy of the soundtrack. I have like the disc in my in my car. I, I play it from time to time, but mm. I really enjoy listening to that uh, every now and then. It's got some really nice acoustics. I really like the the chicks when they sing because they they can hit some pretty cool notes, and it sounds really epic when they do so. And you know, I just feel like every song I play. It reminds me of like a certain section in the game, and it's kind of weird. I feel like that's really cool, where you're like you're listening to these songs for different games, and then you can just remember that point in time where like 
you were doing something while that song was playing in the game. Totally. I feel like there's a few of those on that soundtrack where I'm like, oh, man, this is where I was fighting that monster. Or I was in this conversation with this guy in the back alley right before I whooped his ass, you know, something like that. <laughs> so it's yeah. pretty cool. I, I really like that. There's a few of the songs in that game that remind me of certain points uh, in the game. But the one that I really like the most, and this kind of goes back to my uh, – childhood days was the soundtrack for a sonic the hedgehog on Ooh. sega genesis Ooh. so all of their songs is so good but the one that i really like the most that just oozes like you know hypes it's, it's just such a good song it's called labyrinth and it's so good i, I remember it because that, that that level really scared the crap out of me because like it was like the level was like underwater so like you're a hedgehog so you can't breathe underwater duh so <laughs> there's like a point in the game where like you're in the water but if you don't get air enough the you start to hear like the this beeping noise like you're about to die and it really picks up and it kind of tra traumatized me when i was like four playing that i was like what is that noise i feel like something bad's gonna happen but, oh my gosh uh really good song i i love that song it's so good it, it just reminds me of those days i, I like it because it, it, it's really chill and then it's almost like you could nod to it like oh man it's yeah i want to boogie right now <laughs> dude yeah some of those old games man they just really they hit different like i, I don't know like and no, nintendo games even today are just like really catchy like my wife's been playing a ton of yoshi's crafted world i know i know sonic's not nintendo but i just mean that to say like there's some companies that like they just nail it. Like, I don't know, Mario Kart, Mario Party, fucking Yoshi's, like, Crafted World. I'm sure Pikmin's going to have banger music. Like, it's a really important part of games that I think a lot of people don't give enough credit to, especially those weirdos like Colin Moriarty who just listen to podcasts. JK, I'm just, just shouting him out. He'll never hear it anyway. But, you know, there's those people that fucking listen to podcasts a lot when they play or they don't really, like, soak up the music or they have the TV, like, really low volume. And I think it really does a disservice to the game. So, yeah, I really like those songs, especially the the labyrinth song from Sega Gen uh, Sonic, where it, it it makes me feel like the conductor. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> where I'm like just, just you know flailing my hands around like I'm leading a, a choir. It, oh, that song is so good. It goes, What's it called? Bum, I'm gonna write it down right bum, now. Bum, 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 bum. Dude, that song is so good. I love it. <laughs> it's fucking hype. What's it called again? I'm gonna write it down. Labyrinth. L Labyrinth. Okay, here we go. Labyrinth. All right, sweet. Awesome, dude. Well, yeah. I mean, hopefully that satisfies your uh, your question there, Maximum, and got you some good answers to that. I mean, I'm sure that you being a metalhead, you got to check out the doom and doom eternal soundtracks. Those are probably insane for you. I would imagine. Uh, yeah. But anyway, there's just, there's so much good stuff. We could talk about this for a long time. It could be its own episode if we really wanted. <laughs> so yeah. Anything else to add before we move on guys? No, I, I mean, I, like you said, I could spend here or spend all day here on this topic. So, well, hey, if we uh, hit our Patreon goal to start doing bonus episodes, maybe we, we can <laughs> do one on music, uh, video game soundtracks. That'd be cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Daryl, anything to say before we move on? No. That was a good question. Yes, sir. Obviously, I'm Bubbles, by the way. Did we decide who's Buttercup and who's Blossom? 
Uh, no, we did not. Okay. You got a preference? I mean, <laughs> I like I like red, so I guess I'll Blossom. be Blossom. Let's go, dude. I always had a fat crush on Blossom. <laughs> Stay away from me. <laughs> That's right, buddy. Those are children. Okay, I was also like five. You know, like, yeah, yeah. No, nah, she was, she was, dude. She knew what was up. Uh, all right. Anyway, let's move on. Our final question comes to us from Thrawn. He says, "Bonjour and salutations, dearest trophy talkers. Why and how did you end up doing the work you are doing now? Was it your dream job? I wanted to be a firefighter when I was a kid. Then ended up being a chef to finally." En- being a chef to finally ending as an entrepreneur in the cleaning business field, three completely different jobs. Wow. That is quite the path to go from pursuing firefighting to then being a chef to then working as an entrepreneur. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. Slugger, let's go to you first. What did, uh, how did you end up doing the work you're doing now? And was it what you always wanted? I can't answer the second part because I still don't know like what my dream job is. Like, yeah, I don't know either, honestly. Every hour of the day, it changes. If you ask me throughout the day, it's probably going to change, like, you know, every hour. So right. it, my job, I kind of got by, I don't want to say by chance. I've talked about my job um, on a past episode when we talked about, this, like, what would a simulator game look like for your job? Um, Loadmaster. Yeah, something related to that. So I'm a loadmaster. I'll say it again for any new listeners out there. I fly on the C-130. I'm in the Air Force. Um, so what a loadmaster does, I load cargo onto the plane. I fly with the plane wherever it goes. The pilots fly me. I am not the pilot. That's like it, people mistake that all the time. Like, oh, you fly? So you're pilot? Like, what's that? Like, nope, I'm pretty much a glorified flight attendant that deals with cargo. And people load the plane up, fly where it goes, um, land offload whatever our cargo is or whatever we're like moving rinse and repeat drop everything off pick new stuff up go to a new place you know until our day is over so we also do cool stuff like we can airdrop we have a big ramp and door in the back of our plane that we can open up kind of like when you're dropping into war zone on call of duty looks just like that we open the ramp and door people jump out we can send cargo out me my job i stay on the plane I won't mm. ever jump out of a perfectly good plane. You will like, <laughs> like, like that's terrifying to me. The only way you'd catch me jumping out of that plane is if it was on fire and about to crash anyway. And it's like, all right, I'm going to take my luck jumping out. <laughs> I'm sure you're trained on it though, right? You have to be like to, to do that, right? Have like you, jumping out. So yeah, have you done have, jumps? Yeah. No, we have extremely minimal training. <laughs> it's funny you brought this up. Our training is like stepping up onto a five foot high box and we practice landing. So oh. you'll step up onto this box that's, you know, it's probably about five feet off the ground. And you kind of like jump off the side of it. And the velocity that you're going when you're jumping from that high, they're like, this is about how hard you'll hit with the parachutes we have on the plane. So this is like a pretty good recreation of that. And you jump off this big box and you're into a gravel pit and you practice like landing. But really, all you're doing is jumping off the box. <laughs> oh, that's the extent of the 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 training. <laughs> okay. So, I would just probably close my eyes and hope for the best. They say not to do that, but realistically, 
I'm probably going to close my eyes and hope for the best oh, <laughs> if man. I ever have to jump out of the plane. So how did I end up doing this job? My dad was in the Air Force for 21 years. I It was very like military-focused family. That's kind of what I knew. We moved around all over the country. Growing up, people would ask me where I'm from, and it's just when I was younger, it's like, I don't know. When I got older, it's like, oh, I'm a military brat. So we, I, I mean, I grew up across four different states from zero to 18. Um, when I got into high school, it was, I'm sure a lot of high schoolers deal with this, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. Like absolutely no idea. I hated school. I couldn't stomach the thought of going to college for four more years because it was just like, I don't even like the school I do now. Why do I want to do this for four more years? On top of that, my parents are saying, hey, if you go to college, like you got to figure it out. We don't have the money to pay for your school. So oh, it's like, all right, I'm going to have to get loans out. I'm going to have to figure out what I want to do as an 18-year-old who like doesn't know anything about the world. and I kind of, I, I went the easy route and joined the Air Force. I did go in like two or college, two or colleges, but touring around, they're like, we have this program and we have this science program and this business program. I'm like, yeah, this all sounds really freaking boring. Like, I don't want to do any of these programs. Yeah. Like, this is awful. Um, so yeah, I kind of followed my dad's footsteps, joined the Air Force right at 18. I actually got offered a job to be an air traffic controller first and then i turned it down because i started like researching what air traffic controllers do and what the stress is like and i was somehow i ended up searching like air traffic controller careers and like there was this list that popped up and it was like the 10 most stressful jobs in in the united states or like the top 10 jobs where people who have this job are most likely to commit suicide. And like air traffic controllers, not like all of these, like oh, shit. very stressful job. All those stupid articles like completely scared me away from that job. And I was like, Nope, I don't want to do that. I turned it down. And then my recruiter came back to me with being a load master. I jumped on that. Looking back on it, the load master like career field doesn't translate very well at all to like, civilian life there's not a lot i can do with it like i know how to load planes but like it's very i don't know i could go work for like fedex or ups or one of those airlines where they move cargo but that means i'm going to be away from my family all the time mm -hmm. i don't know that i want that for my whole life well i know i don't want that for my whole life um so looking back on it part of me kind of wishes i took the whole air traffic air traffic controller gig because a lot of those guys can go and serve in the military for, you know, four, six, four to six years and get out and then go work for an airport and like make a pretty decent living. So I have a little bit regret about that, but I also know like my job and what I do now is like, especially just military overall has given me so much. Like it paid my wife's way through school. It paid my way through getting a master's. We have a freaking house that's completely covered by like a housing uh, allotment that the military gives us so like i know just the military in general i don't regret it all i've definitely had a lot of stressful times but we have been like completely taken care of throughout all of it 
I feel like I sound like a recruiter right now. <laughs> no, I mean uh, it's it's funny. Like I've often thought about, or not, not I wouldn't say regret, but I all I often wondered what would have happened had I gone the military route because there was a part of me that for a while like didn't even know what I wanted to do, and it just was like, well, maybe I should just fucking do this. I don't know, like you know, yeah. like yeah. So it's curious to hear. I'm curious to hear about it, you know. And and that was my thoughts. Was like, all right, I'll sign up for. I signed up for six years initially, and my thoughts were like, if I like it i'll stay in if i don't by then i should have a pretty good idea of like what i want to do what mm -hmm. i can go to school for and it, and it will be paid for by the military but i ended up loving it my wife was kind of on board with me staying in and kind of pushing for if we serve 20 years in the military you can retire at 20 years get a pension get health care for life um kids will get health care like if I can make it to the 20 year mark, I'm at 15 years right now. So about five more years, um, we'll be at least set up pretty good for the initial stages of like retirement. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. Was it my dream job? No, but I also know like my job is so easy. Like I talked to my wife about what I do and she gets like really frustrated. <laughs> if we're not actively flying, we really don't do a lot. Like we'll check emails. We'll kind of handle like general business stuff. People break out into like, we call them additional duties when you're in the squadron and you're not flying. So we'll have people who man the flying schedule, people who man like training requirements, people who are like quality control. There's additional duties for all sorts of stuff. So if you're not flying, you're kind of doing those jobs, but those jobs aren't very demanding at all. You can go in and work for like two or three hours and get your work done for the day. Uh, incredible. I joke, I've, yeah, I've joked with you guys before about how they give us two-hour lunches. Mm -hmm. So it's like I go to work from eight to eleven, come home, take a lunch from eleven to one, play a ton of video games, and then go back to work, and I'll work from one to four if yeah. I'm not flying. So super on the chill. Days I'm not flying. Yeah, it's super chill, very relaxed. Um, very much the big boy program of like, hey, take care of your work, and when your work's done, go home. Like, God, I mean, I think that's how all work should be. Unfortunately, some yeah. jobs are just not able to do that. But God, if you can let your people do that, you should just do it. Like, you're, they're going to be happier. They're going to get more work done. Like, it's it's crazy to me, like how greedy yeah. some of these companies are with how much shit they ask people to do. Like, dude, come on, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, give us a thirty-hour work week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me four eights, dude. Give me four eights. Yeah. Not four tens, four eights, you know? It's still yeah. more of my life than not working. You know what I'm saying? Like, three-day weekends is just, like, making it better. It's not like it fixes it. It just, like, makes it much, much more imbalanced. So. Yeah. I'm going to, I mean, I'm, I'm going to ruin it for everyone, but by spreading our secrets. But I probably spend, like, three quarters of the day just surfing Reddit reading mm -hmm. gaming news, playing games on my phone. I bring my Vita to work sometimes. Yep. And jam on my Vita. <laughs> it's like whatever I got to do to stay busy and wait for like some work to happen. But yeah, second part of the question was my dream job. Not at all because I didn't know what my dream job was. I was just a dumb 18-year-old. I don't think anyone at 18 knows what they want to do. Some people are like, I want to be a doctor. Yeah. But I think they're just chasing money. I don't think any 18-year-old actually knows what they want to do. I don't think so either. I mean, you you can have callings, and I, I do believe that you can be really passionate about, like, I want to work in this area. You know, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I want to do something with this. I think that's real. 
but certainly there's a difference between studying something and loving that you're studying it and then turning it into like an eight hour a day thing. You might right. really like what you're studying and what you're doing, but can you do it for 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week? That's very different, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I totally agree. The only people I know, like you said, are like people that went into the medical field. And I think a lot of that is because you have to start that process so early of like getting into the great college, starting your med, your pre-med program in undergrad, right? Doing your, your exams to get into medical school. Like it's a, like a 15 year process. And you have to start it when you're like 18, so yeah, it's pretty uh, it's pretty nuts. But yeah, interesting. All right, well, well, cool. Um, yeah, I'll pass it. Yeah, Daryl, what do you what do you got to say for this one? Man, Whew. Uh, so let's see. Mm-hmm. So how did I end up wor- doing the work I do now? So when I moved out to where I currently live, I wanted to be a police officer. That was what I moved out here to become. Not some guy loading trucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't load the trucks normally, but yeah, this week you have loaded trucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I've been doing that for a few days, which I don't mind. But that that was like what I initially wanted to be is a police officer. And and true story, pretending to be a cop is actually pretty bad. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, funny story there. I prank called my wife's cousin because he kept prank calling her mom's house. And I pretended to be from the department I was trying to apply to. So when <laughs> <laughs> they asked me some questions on the polygraph, they're like, is there anything you want to tell us that you haven't put on your application? I fessed up and told them that. Come to find out, you know, pretending to be an officer is actually a pretty big deal. <laughs> wow, holy shit. You would they so, didn't give you points for the honesty there? You could have just not said anything. Oh, it's just a scam. They want you to say stuff so they can just, you know, eliminate you. God damn it, dude. That's how that's how they 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 sort out the, the that that's how they basically just eliminate people. I mean, not only did they well, yeah, I'm going to bring you on a tangent, but I'm assuming nowadays they still probably don't let you smoke weed even though it's legal in California. Ooh, I don't know. That's fucking been, wild to me. There's no way I could be a cop for that reason alone. Because, <laughs> like, my past, you know, my, that's what I had always heard is that they're really strict on that, even if it's legal. So, yeah. Yeah. That's weird. But that's what I wanted to do when I came out here. So when that didn't pan out well, I didn't really have a fallout plan. So my wife... um her dad works in the wine industry. He's been doing it for 20-plus years. Uh, I happened to show up in the valley during harvest time. So that was a really good time for me to kind of just get a job but try to also figure out what I really wanted to do. So I did one harvest at a winery, and it was, man, it was hard work. But it, it was a piece of cake for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm used to hard work. So <laughs> mm-hmm. it was fun. Just a humble brag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that shit is no joke, dude. It's a lot of physical labor for sure. Yeah, it, it was just something I, I, I got accustomed to really well. I thought it was going to be really rough just from like hearing what other people have said. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be so hard. And it was hard. It was really hard. But it's, it was something that I definitely thought I could see myself in. So tried a few other things after Harvest ended. They didn't really work out. And then... My wife was working 
you know, with the company I currently work now, she was like, hey, you know, this place is hiring um, full time. You should check it out. So put the application in, went through the whole process, ended up where I am now. I've been there for five years now. I started there as a forklift driver and kind of just built my way up to where I am now, where um, I run the bottling line. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. So really cool. You know, our former host on the show, Eli, he was doing that job when he kind of moved down and did other things. I I moved in and um, took over for him. So it's been a it's been a really uh, yeah. It's how we all met. Journey for me. Yeah, I don't even remember what you were doing at the time. Yeah, my job was technically it was called operations and logistics coordinator. So I just really because the current TL at the time was like very uninvolved. Current team lead, sorry. So I basically wrote the schedule for you guys even back then when I like didn't even know what I was talking about. And then also did like client meetings with like the different bottling clients that we had. And then I, my job was basically to like make, figure out what they needed during the year and then give that information to our main company and uh, like find a schedule that worked for both parties. So I was sort of like a, I don't know, like an intermediary basically. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That sounds about right. Yeah. I, I was trying to figure out what you, what you were doing in the early days before you moved up. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, I, I've like I had no idea I would do this. I wouldn't necessarily say this is my dream job, <laughs> but it's uh, it's been a wonderful opportunity for me. You know, I've really enjoyed what I'm doing. There's some good days. There's some bad days as well. But the bad days I've always used kind of as a way to encourage myself to learn and uh, get better at what I do. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of helped me to work on like soft skills, you know, try to be a better leader. How I can be like. You know, just involved in a lot of things and day-to-day activities, and yeah, man, it's fun. It it is hard at times. I will say that. I I tell this to almost everybody on the bottling line. If there's not a day where you feel like you're gonna cry, you ain't meant for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's tough, dude. There's strict number, like you have to hit the number. You know, like that's the whole idea. And it's not like there's a break. Like it's like that, like nine months of the year. You know, every single day when you come into work, there's a very specific goal that you have to hit. And if you don't hit it, you're behind. And it doesn't just affect you. It affects the company. It affects who the company's product is being shipped to. It affects, like, basically everybody else on site. There's two other different departments that we work with. So, yeah, totally. There, if, you, if you don't feel the stress of it, you're not invested because it's there. It's certainly there every single day. Oh, yeah. You feel it every day. It, it wears on you. But then, you know... It's funny, Colin and I were talking about this the yeah. other day. Yeah. He was like, so, little backstory. So, this <laughs> this Monday, man, I basically fucked up everything. I lost us the whole day at work. I lost <laughs> production. We did nothing. And I let myself get talked out of, like, doing something that worked. Man, you, you got to remember that Proverbs, everybody. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, I, obviously, I didn't <laughs> listen to that. Yeah. But basically, I told Colin. And this is just between me and Colin. I was like, hey, bro, I didn't take break. I didn't take lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I've been running on fumes for the last eight hours. And he's like, oh, you, you didn't take a lunch or a break? I was like, I'm in my wolf and son mindset. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's a tinker, dude. Yeah. 
I am trying to stay focused on getting this problem solved. <laughs> I don't need to eat. I don't need to sleep. Yeah. I don't need to do any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But God. It, it's, it's been fun, man. I'm enjoying it. It is definitely um, helped me to be better at my job and try to just like give it my all every day. And, and I, I leave work every day knowing that, you know, I, I put my effort in mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. And even though it can be stressful, I think the benefit of that is like at, at the end of a good week, like Friday after a good week feels really good. You know, like you go home and you're like, oh, we fucking nailed that, you know, and I can really relax for like two and a half days now. I can really sort of like unplug, you know. Um, and then of course there's those days where it's like, it doesn't really work out. And then you're like, well, I'm thinking about it all night and blah, blah, blah. But I'm sure that's true of a lot of jobs, you know? And if you care about your job at all, you probably can, can sympathize with like what we're saying, you know, it's hard to, uh, to sometimes leave that. But, um, but yeah, so I think, so for me, like I had no fucking clue what I wanted to do at all when I was 18 to Slugger's point. I had no idea. What I knew was I liked flirting with girls. I liked smoking weed. I liked, <laughs> sk- I liked skateboarding. And I was really into hanging out with my friends. So all the way through high school, I got straight Bs with some As. So my parents would leave me alone. And I just kind of had fun. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to get into a four-year university because nowadays, like, you need to have above a 4.0 with all this extracurricular stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I, I didn't do team sports in high school. I skateboarded, you know. Um, so I went to the junior college near where I lived and my mom was a vice president there. So she kind of was like, this is a good option. You know, think about this. And so I did it for two years and then I transferred over to Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara and got my bachelor's in religious studies. And at the time I really enjoyed religious studies because it was a mix of history and anthropology and sort of things I was good at reading and writing, talking to people you know, thinking about ideas, really like trying to dig into problems and conflicts and stuff like that. I was horrible at sciences usually. I was re- I'm really not great at math unless I put a lot of effort into it. So yeah, I had to uh, try to make something work. And so I transferred in and did that. And at Santa Barbara, I kind of just treated it as sort of like my semi-pro halo time, right? Like I had scrimmages every day. I did professional tournaments, uh, placed top 32 at a couple different events. You know, I was really getting into like the pro gaming scene while also doing my schoolwork. And by the time I got to, you know, my senior year there, which when you transfer in as a junior, you're only there for two years. So basically by the end of their first year, you're already doing applications for grad school. And so I did them and I was like, I don't really know if I want to do this or not, but I'd sent some applications out and I also like looked into doing like the Peace Corps. And just, a, I just, again, had no idea. And weirdly enough, I got into Duke and Oxford and University of Chicago. I got acceptance letters for. And I was like, well, fuck. I mean, these are really good schools. So I'd be, I guess I should do it. You know, like, I guess that's like what I'm good at. So I ended up going to grad school at Duke and doing religious studies. And when I was there, I got even more into this idea of content creation. And that's when I made my YouTube channel. And I did videos maybe three to four times a week. Um, still was playing a ton of Halo and just really got into this idea of video games journalism. It's where I did my first podcasting experience with iWave Games, which was a relatively like well-known like Instagram outlet for video game news. They offered to fly me out and have me go to E3. 
and spend some time there. My parents told me if I did that, that they would not fund my school anymore and not pay for my rent and I would be fucked. So yeah. I ended up having to finish my degree and something I didn't really want to do and had to sort of like kind of leave this opportunity behind. So when I finished school, I start, I tried to do freelance writing. I did writing for a site called iWave games for a while, or sorry, not iWave games, you nerded.com, excuse me, um, wrote some reviews, conceptual articles and stuff like that for them. And it wasn't really paying the bills well enough at all. And eventually the founder of that site went and worked at Buzzfeed. So the site was shutting down and so I ended up just kind of through a family friend knowing someone that worked in the wine industry. And so I went to talk with this person. I did not even think it was a job interview. I wore a t-shirt and jeans and talked about how I played guitar and liked video games. And the next day I got offered a job. <laughs> so I basically <laughs> had been working in some capacity in the wine industry for about six years now and kind of getting promoted every two years or so on the way through that. and. I'm at a situation now where it basically, you know, helps pay for what I like to do, which is play video games and do this podcast and travel and spend time with my wife and my friends. And so I wouldn't say that it's my dream job at all, but I am grateful, like you said, Daryl, for the opportunities that it has given me. You know, I don't want to say that it's been all bad, you know, but it's certainly not a job where it's like, I can't wait to go to work the next day. I can't wait to... uh you know, to figure out the next schedule or whatever for bottling. Can't wait to go to this next meeting. It's a lot of like when I'm at work, I'm thinking about video games. You know, when I'm at work, I'm thinking about uh, various other pop culture things. I'm thinking about different essays I've read or I'm thinking about movies or music or, you know, so I don't really know. I mean, I think my dream job, to your point, Slugger, I still don't know exactly what it is, but it's certainly something tangential to video game culture, whether that's in journalism side, the development side, the podcasting side I, I don't really know but something with that because that's what I think about all the time anyway so for me this podcast has been really sort of like a really great blessing and an outlet for me to talk about those things where I wouldn't really otherwise get to do so and if we get to get enough money to fund the show and the podcast through patreon that's fantastic I mean that's you know that's great it's not like we're making a ton of money over here but it's it pays for what we do and that's and that's amazing so yeah, I guess that's uh, that's what I would say. As far as what I wanted to be when I was a kid, though, real quick, astronaut was what I wanted to be. Then I realized I fucking suck at math, so there's no <laughs> way that I could be an aerospace engineer or an astronaut. Um, so yeah, <laughs> but that's Karen, Karen over at HR listening to this on Sunday is going to be very upset, and is probably going to want to talk to you Monday about yeah. how you feel about your job. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and anyone who knows me at work knows all these things. This is nothing new. You know what I mean? I'm sure like Daryl knows all the, all the people know. Um, so yeah. I, I do like that. You, I don't know. Thinking back on the dream job and hearing you talk about like how you can't stop thinking about video games and movies and music. Honestly, I think my dream job would be this. Yeah. I think about that all the time is like, man, I got five years to retiring out of the military i got five years to build this show let's turn this into like something fucking dope that we can <laughs> live off of oh i'd love but, that uh, i would i would 100 percent podcast full-time if we like the lsm people like what they do god i, I so would fucking i would kill to do that dude i would absolutely kill to do that they do five podcasts a week that's it yeah <laughs> get to like, hang out yeah. hang out with your buddies and talk video games and movies and 
books like every day of the week or and now they got constellation just random subjects like yeah that's the that's the dream yeah it totally is it to- it totally is so you you out there you listeners and you patreon supporters you are helping make that maybe a reality someday so we really appreciate you but yeah that's just uh that's what i got so anything else to add before we move on i got nothing daryl nope okay cool let's get going into our playstation plus roundup for july plugger take it away oh boy we got a lot i'm gonna fly through these i normally like to do the difficulty but there's so many we've been going a while so i'm just gonna fly through them let's do it uh playstation plus essential we've known about this for about three weeks now we got actually they're already live cold war alan wake and link i personally really like that alan wake is on here if you haven't played it highly recommend checking it out uh, it's a really solid game. I played it way back on the 360. Number two is coming out in October. I think it's going to be a good time. Uh, Remedy always kind of... I love Down Wake. I love Control. I personally don't think Remedy misses. Um, I haven't played Quantum Break, but good stuff there. Check those games out. Uh, yeah. On PlayStation Plus Extra, these should be coming out on... Uh, Where's my calendar? I'm so sorry. July 19th, I believe, they'll go live. So on Extra, we have It Takes Two. Can't recommend that game enough. Me and my wife played it. Absolutely loved it. She's not a gamer, but we figured it out. Had a blast playing it together. Sniper Elite 5, Snow Runner, World War Z. If you're looking for something that's similar to Left 4 Dead or what's that other one that just came out? Back for, for blood. blood, yeah. Back for Blood. World War Z is, I don't think it's as popular as those two, but World War Z is very, very good. Um, don't think because it's based off a, a book or a movie that is kind of a shit shitter game. Like, it's a very good game. Um, the Ascent, Undertale, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom, Woo! Rehydrated. Let's go. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something. Let's uh, fucking go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Melty Blood, Type Lumina. I had no idea what that was. I had to look that. It's a fighting game. Uh, Dismantle. That's a zombie survival game. Circus Electric is a... Man, I'm losing my train of thought everywhere. What's that game where you have four characters? It's kind of like a roguelike, and it's very tactical. Hmm. Uh, Octopath? No, that's eight characters. Uh, four characters. I'll think of it later. Roguelike. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Continue, uh, I'll though. think of it later. And bring it up. <laughs> but <laughs> this game is pretty much a clone of that. Dynasty Warriors Nine, PlayStation Four. Samurai Warriors Five, PlayStation Four. My Little Pony. Get in there and get that easy plat, or hang out with your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Fast and Furious, Spy Racers, Rise of Shifter. Interesting. No idea what that is. Yeah, same. Monster Monster Jam, Steel Titans. Um, That's everything on Extra. Everything on Premium. We got Gravity Crush Portable, which was a PSP game getting brought to the PS4 and PS5. Curious to see if there's a trophy list. And then also the next two are bangers. The original Twisted Metal and Twisted Metal 2 are coming to PS4, PS5. Uh, hopefully all three of those have trophy lists. It'd be nice to see these classics continue getting trophy lists. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, this show is coming out soon on Peacock, so I think there's some tie-in with that. Yeah, there's, sure. of course, some rumors of a new Twisted Metal game in development as well. So, yeah, that, that totally makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, interesting. Okay. But yeah, those are your subscription games for the month of July. You guys have any thoughts? Any? I mean, obviously, real quick, know. shout out SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom. That game's great. Yeah, for sure. Really fun. It's only, you know, what, like 12 hours, 10 hours, something like that. It's a really good time. Undertale is another one that I have the Platinum in, actually, that was weirdly fun and, and enjoyable. It only took maybe a couple of play sessions to get through. I haven't touched the rest of them, but I have heard good things about World War Z from a few of my friends as well. So I would say that's maybe something to keep on your on your radar. In terms of Essential, Endling is about an hour-long Platinum with Optinoob's guide on YouTube. So check that out if you want a, a really quick Platinum there. Alan Wake Remastered, getting you ready for Alan Wake 2 coming out in October. And then Call of Duty Cold War uh, is a Platinum that I believe, Daryl, you have in Slugger. I, can't, I keep forgetting which call of duties you have but this one is i is, don't have that one you don't have that one okay but nope. uh, it's supposed to be pretty good and um doesn't have a ton of dlc trophies or anything like that so yeah as far as essential i think a really good offering extra is also really good and premium also pretty good so i think a pretty uh banger month yeah anything for you daryl anything jumping out i'm really excited to play spongebob i know colin really liked it you have mentioned it as well so i get my chance finally to play it Dude, get on it, man. You're going to, oh, yes. Get after it. And then play Cosmic Shake after that, dude. Give Purple Lamp some support. Purple Lantern, and, sorry, uh, the development studio. The, the, the second to the last game, or on the extra, the Fast and the Furious game, mm -hmm. I felt like Slugger was going to say Shitter. Because <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Shitter, the way that it's spelled. He wanted to uh, say Shitter. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Shitter game. <laughs> I saw that right away. I was like, Spy Racers Rise of Shitter. Why Why are they calling that this game? <laughs> I, saw, I saw a snippet of it in this YouTube video where they were covering this month's games. Uh, I think, I believe it was a PlayStation Access video. And they showed some snippets of the gameplay, and it looks like a Hot Wheels game. I'm like, this doesn't even look like Fast and Furious. Like, what is this? It's like Mario Kart. It's all about family, dude. All about family. <laughs> it's all about family. <laughs> You're around the dinner table with Dominic Toretto, dude. Uh, I did find that game. It was called Darkest Dungeon. I'm yes. sure you guys have heard of that. Yes. Um, pretty well known, like roguelike. You build a party of four members, and it's very brutal, very long platinum, very punishing platinum. From everything I've read, Circus Electric um, or Electric is very, very similar. It's almost like a total reskin of that game. So if Darkest Dungeon or Roguelikes is your jam, I would check out that Circus Electric game. That game's been on my wish list forever. Um, I just have never bitten the bullet, and I'm glad I didn't because now I got it through the sub. Whether I play it is a whole nother story, but I'm happy it's at least available to me if I want to take the plunge. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have kids, My Little Pony. There you go. Yeah. They continue that trend of having a couple kids games on there, which I do think is a really good idea. So that's good. Yeah, as a, as a dad, I dig it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And it takes two up for Game of the Year. Or didn't it win Game of the Year? The it year won it a out. lot of awards. I don't know. Yeah. I would have to look if it took Game of the Year. I think it did, actually. So, yeah, go and check that out, too. Really good. Uh, but yeah, very good. Well, thank you, Slugger. Appreciate that PlayStation Plus roundup. It's a roundup. 
And let's get into our PlayStation trophy list reviews, guys. We've got three, three lists picked out here. I'm going to go relatively quick. I will go first, actually. This is a banger game, okay? I picked Exo Primal. Now, this is a game developed by Capcom. It's releasing tomorrow at the time of recording. We're recording on the 13th. It releases on Friday, the 14th of July, 2023. It comes out for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series consoles, and Windows. And I should also note that it is coming to Game Pass on day one. So if you own both consoles and you're curious about checking it out without popping trophies, you can do that and then decide if you want to play it on PlayStation. The distribution is it has one platinum, of course. Five golds, five silvers, and 29 bronzes. A little bit weird there, but I think overall still a lower number of trophies, which I'm overall a fan of, so I'm kind of happy with that distribution. Now, the player count is a little bit weird to go into. One of the things I, I normally like to talk about, just because it hasn't actually come out yet. Um, in about 15 minutes, as of the time of recording right now, on the West Coast time, you should be able to buy and download this game and start it up. But right now, on PS5, it's got 15 game owners and an average completion of 10%. Now, this list is actually, I think, very chill. This game is a PvPVE shooter slash hack and slash beat-em-up where you play as various different suited mech soldiers fighting against, you guessed it, dinosaurs. So it's, it's, uh, it's a really interesting, like type of game i think um there's not really too many other games that this really like reminds me of or uh, there was that extinction game on the xbox side that that i can't recall exactly if that's the title of but this is maybe the closest thing to that that i've seen in recent years and it's also interesting because it's coming from capcom right and i think when you look at capcom and resident evil recently they don't really miss so i think more people are probably going to check this game out than maybe otherwise would have just because capcom has been having a bit of a resurgence recently. And one thing that I should note too, this is important. This list is very much your standard multiplayer game list, right? Because even though it is PvPVE, there is that element of you're going to be having to play a lot of matches to grind out, leveling up and getting kills and all those kinds of things. However, it is important to note that when you look in the PlayStation forums on PSN profiles for this game, you can actually play with bots in this game. And one of the really smart things that it does is in matchmaking, if you can't find a full party, it will put bots into your game for you and allow the game to start. The reason I mention that is because so often we tell people to play multiplayer games at launch to avoid having to deal with the dwindling multiplayer community as the months and days go on. However, in this game, you will get that experience no matter what because you can play with bots. And thus, you don't necessarily need to jump into this game right away, though maybe you're excited about it because July is admittedly a more quiet time for PlayStation and same with August. So, something to think about. Now, the actual trophy list itself is relatively straightforward, actually. I think this is going to be something probably around the 4 out of 10 difficulty, if I had to guess. There is no guide up currently. And I would also say maybe something around 75 hours, maybe a little bit less than that. Because really what you have to do is just play through the campaign as it is, which is just a series of missions that get increasingly more difficult against uh, more quantity of dinosaurs and harder dinosaurs. But you're also just trying to use each of the different mech suits and each of the different upgrades a certain amount of times. So let me give you an example, right? We've got multiple bronze trophies for using the various suits that say something like 
defeat 1,000 dinosaurs with Deadeye. You've got another one that says, defeat 1,000 dinosaurs with Zephyr. Another that says, defeat 1,000 dinosaurs with Barrage. Defeat 1,000 dinosaurs with Vigilant. Defeat 1,000, you know, etc., etc. So really what the list is going to have you do is play multiple missions with each of the different rigs that are available to you. And it seems like the rigs have somewhat overlapping abilities. So there are also trophies. One of them is called, let's see here, Battlefield Recon, which is a bronze trophy to, uh, sorry, Dead End is a bronze trophy that says block a total of 10,000 damage with roadblock. Then you have Mission Complete, which is a bronze trophy to block a total of 10,000 damage with Krieger. There is another one that is the exact same description, but with the suit Murasame instead. So there's a lot of these sort of like overlapping trophies with the different mech suits. There's ones that have you repair a certain amount of damage, so heal for 10,000 health with different ones, deal damage with different suits, block damage with different suits, etc. So you're going to have to play each of the different suits that are available to you in the game a fair amount. Uh, based on the forums post, I'm seeing that a match will yield you somewhere between 150 and 300 dinosaur kills, depending on the level. And so having to kill a thousand dinosaurs with three different suits, you're going to have to play maybe, let's call it five matches with each of those suits. And I think that'll all kind of culminate in the Cretaceous Eradicator Trophy, which is a gold trophy to eliminate a total of 100,000 dinosaurs. This seems to be the grindiest of the trophies, and I don't think it will actually be very difficult. It's just going to take some time. This particular trophy doesn't call out a specific suit or a specific mech that you need to use, so this is cumulative and doesn't seem to be too bad. There is one other gold trophy, however, which could actually take you some more grinding than that, which is called Ace Pilot. And that is to reach suit level 10 with 10 different exosuits. Of course, the game hasn't quite come out yet. I don't know exactly how long that's going to take. But if it takes a traditional leveling approach, the early levels will be much quicker than the later ones. And thus, you're going to be having to do some grinding with 10 different exosuits in order to reach that amount. Having said that, though, the rest of the list, like I said, is really, really straightforward. When I was reading through this, it looks like you're literally going to pop most of these just over the course of playing. And in fact, I don't think there's many in this list that you have to go out of your way for at all. It does appear that you will have to upgrade modules in your suits that you will collect by doing various things in the missions. You will have to upgrade your suits overall, and you will have to set different charms and different perks and stuff on them. But again, as you're playing through the course of this game and doing different missions with different suits, this seems like something that will be very, very common. Um, there's a couple hidden trophies that I don't necessarily want to reveal as they deal with story-related content, although I don't think this will have very much in terms of spoilers necessarily, as in terms of the names of the trophies. But just keep in mind that there are a couple story-related things that are going to be hidden from you when looking at the list initially. But by and large, this really just seems like a game where you just link up with your friends and choose a different suit that you like and play and kill a bunch of dinosaurs. Yeah, one thing that I, that I did want to call out in terms of artwork, there seems to be a color scheming going on here where you have neon blue, neon purple, and sort of a gold-colored trophy artwork for the different trophies in the game. However, it's not really consistent. So 
it seems like they tried to go for a certain convention of having silver trophies be purple, bronze trophies be blue, and gold trophies be gold. But there are specific silver trophies that are still purple, and there are some silver trophies that are still blue. So either they messed up in their convention, or they really just didn't give a fuck and picked random images. <laughs> um, not really quite sure what's going on there. But in all honesty, this list seems very good. I think if you're looking for a co-op game to play with friends and a relatively straightforward trophy hunt in a new co-op game, this is one where if you pick it up and you put in 50 to 75 hours, you will likely get the platinum. And maybe I'll be eating my words here as the trophy guide comes out in the coming weeks. But this really seems relatively straightforward. I'm going to check it out on Gamecast, in all honesty, and just kind of see what I think about it before making any sort of decision. But I am tempted because it's Capcom and also because I like dinosaurs. I did not play the beta, though, so I really have no, you know, real judgment on the game. But as I said, it's coming out on PS5 and PS4 tomorrow at the time of recording. By the time you're hearing this episode, it will already be out and it will already be out on Game Pass. If you're interested, take a look. I, I also tried to do Daryl's practice of looking for Easter eggs and looking for different things in the names of the trophies, but I have to be honest with you, there really wasn't anything in here that stood out to me. There's maybe two trophies that had kind of clever names, but I didn't see any references to other movies, specifically Jurassic Park or anything like that. So... It's kind of a boring list in that sense, but at the same time, if you're playing a co-op game and a PvP game slash PvE game, this list is kind of a godsend. Some of those are really annoying, and this one seems pretty chill. So, yeah, I'd recommend it. That's Exo Primal. Do you guys have any questions about this game? Mm, no questions. Okay. For me. Daryl, anything you want to add? Um, Not really. I, I do like that the... Um... The color scheme you mentioned is pretty cool. I think the platinum artwork is pretty dope with the uh, M and like the neon red. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty cool touch there. Other yeah. than that, it seems like a pretty straightforward list, like you said. Yeah, I, I'm kind of curious about it. It might be one that I would pick up on sale at a later date. I don't think I'm going to pay full price for it. It is $60, by the way. It's not 70 so uh, slightly cheaper than a brand new AAA game. But... Yeah, I am curious if anyone in the Discord is going to be picking this up. I haven't heard a lot of fanfare about it. I know many folks were disappointed that at the recent Capcom showcase in Summer Games Fest, they spent probably 7 to 10 minutes focusing on this game and didn't really announce anything in the way of Resident Evil or other remakes or, you know, stuff like that. So I think people are kind of ready for this game to be out and for Capcom to move on and start teasing separate ways and whatever is coming next for their other franchises. But... I still think that this could be cool. This might be a sleeper hit, actually, in terms of just like a fun co-op game to play with friends, have a beer, kill some dinosaurs, and move on. So that's it for me. Um, let's go to you, Slugger, with what you have for your trophy list review. Okay, I'm going to review the Rogue Legacy 2 trophy list. Uh, so the reason why I chose this, or chose this game, it was one of the first games that was on PlayStation Plus for the Vita, or I, I guess it was early on, early to middle of the Vita's lifespan, uh, Rogue Legacy 1 launched, and I believe it launched directly to PlayStation Plus. And I played a lot of the first game on the Vita. I never got the Platinum. I actually have low percentage in it. 
Rogue Legacy 2 has been out on the Switch, Xbox, PC for quite a bit of time. I believe it launched last year and is just now coming to PlayStation and launched directly to the subscription again as it released on PlayStation. Uh, so this game is published and developed by Cellar Door Games. The only two games they got to to their name right now are Rogue Legacy 1 and Rogue Legacy 2. Essentially, this game is a platforming roguelike. What makes it kind of unique is other roguelikes, I guess the randomness of it, come from items that you collect as you go through dungeons. So in the first Rogue Legacy, there was no items you picked up in the dungeons. The randomness came from your character. So if you had a character that died, you would play at like your next run in this roguelike um, you played as their like offspring and like their genetics and talents and abilities and skills, their like base build was completely randomized. Like, and there was like some serious ones where you would have really strong characters where when they, like one of their perks would be when you hit an enemy, it would knock the enemy back like off screen. Like you would do a lot of pushback against the enemy. But then they also had, like, what made this game kind of fun is they had, like, unique, uh, like, silly perks where some of the perks were just completely pointless, like being colorblind. Um, and you'd go into that run with a colorblind character and the game would be, like, in black and white. Rogue Legacy 2 kind of takes that whole, the exact same approach, but they expand on it. Um they still do the genetics thing where every run is a, like your offspring. You're pretty much working down the family tree. It's completely randomized with like what stats they have. But now they introduce like different styles of weapons that drop inside uh, the dungeons or different. You can pick different types of classes. So uh, there's a ranger now and you can use a bow and arrow. There's a barbarian who uses an axe. Uh, I dove into the game, for played maybe for an hour, didn't unlock any trophies, but like I was picking up guns, I was picking up like different types of swords that had different perks. So take the genetics system of the first game and now throw in even more randomness with like random weapons and amulets and different things you can pick up in the dungeon, and you essentially got Rogue Legacy 2. So distribution of this game, actually not too bad. Kind of what I like to see in a list. 20 bronzes, 13 silver, 4 gold, 1 platinum. Pretty dis- pretty decent distribution. Uh, I think there's not an overkill. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Maybe a bit much, but, but yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> there's not an overkill of bronzes like we've been seeing a lot lately. Like the common trend we've seen is 40, 50 something bronzes and 2 silvers and 1 gold. Like I think this is a pretty good spread. I agree. Um, let's see. The current like stats on the game are pretty good. I think that's due to it launching directly, or when it launched on the PlayStation, it coming directly to one of the subscriptions. I kind of think that's why the player count is so high. But 2,824 players, 120 platinum achievers, which gives you a 4.25% rarity on the platinum based on PSN profiles. Um, Interestingly enough, the guide, so I was looking earlier today to kind of like review the list, checking the list out 
there was no guide for this game earlier today. I was kind of winging it. I was checking Steam achievement guides, and I was finding very little information. I was checking true achievements, trophy guides, finding very little information. While we were on the show about two hours ago, I guess, I pulled up PSN profiles and saw that a guide was released while we were while we were uh, recording. So I'm going to work through like kind of the roadmap of what it would take you to get through the Platinum, and then I'll talk about the artwork, and then I'll pass it to Daryl. Um, originally reading the information on Steam and Xbox, I thought this game was going to be way harder and way longer. Based off this PSN Profiles guide, it's listed as a 5 out of 10 difficulty, uh, 6 playthroughs, 40 hours. Hmm. With those six playthroughs, keep in mind this is a roguelike. You're going to die a lot on these playthroughs. That So when I say six playthroughs, that is like six game completions, full game completions without dying. Because if you die, you go back, you got to start all over in rogue, roguelike fashion. Um, so six full runs, 40 hours. And the stages that you kind of go through on this... Uh, you go through your first playthrough, there's a whole bunch of little things you should do, different abilities you need to collect. You get trophies for beating each boss on your first playthrough. There's some silly ones where you can pet a dragon for an easy trophy. At the end of the game, there's a timer system where, I don't know if this is, I, I personally don't consider the spoilers, but if you're worried about very, very minor Easter egg spoilers, maybe plug your ears. Um, but there's a they do the typical thing where you get to the end of the game and you have to escape the castle and a little countdown timer pops up on the screen and you have like 10 minutes to escape. If you let that run to zero, uh, you get a trophy for that. Oh. What they do here is when it reaches zero, it'll actually start going into negative. Like there's no penalty <laughs> hmm. for letting it drop to zero. And then the, the trophy for that, you get a trophy for letting it hit zero. The trophy name for that is, it was just an estimate, so, which is kind of funny. Like, the time popping up on the screen, like, <laughs> it's just kind of making fun of other games that do that, like, doesn't mean anything. Um, so for that specific trophy, you just kind of sit there and chill and wait for the timer to drop to zero, and then you can escape the castle and beat the game. That's just playthrough one. I imagine, based off roguelikes, by this point, you've probably died like 50 times, at mm -hmm. least in my experience. Oh, yeah. That's playthrough one. Then stage three in this trophy guide, you got to do, you have to beat the game six more times, um, increasing the, di the difficulty every time you do it. So it's similar to Souls in a fashion where every, like, there's a new game plus system. Every new game plus, the game's getting more and more difficult. But your progress is carrying over, so you should be getting stronger and stronger too, and your skills should be improving. Um, but now all the bosses in these new game plus modes, all the bosses turn into like crime versions of themselves, so they have extra abilities. Like they take Optimus more Prime? And no, not Transformers. Like a Tonka truck, everything? Mm, no. <laughs> ah, fuck. All right. They're, they're going Super Saiyan. Let's go the Dragon Ball Z route. Yeah, Transformers is, is better, dude. Fight me. New New Game Plus, the tra the boss, the Transformers. The bosses are now <laughs> super sane mode. They're doing extra damage. Uh they're receiving or able to receive more damage and they have like new abilities. That's going to give you a whole extra set of trophies defeating each boss in their prime state. 
that's six more playthroughs. After that, so we're at seven playthroughs now, your base run, six new game plus runs. Then you get to the true ending playthrough. There's a whole bunch of grinding that comes into play here. You have to befriend a whole bunch of different characters in the castle. You have to befriend a dragon, all sorts of just random things. And then stage five, do another playthrough. And then there's miscellaneous trophies at the end if you didn't knock out any of these miscellaneous trophies across your six playthroughs. Um, but yeah, originally what I was... I believe I said it earlier, but I'll re-hit it. Um, originally, a lot of people were saying this is like a 100 to 120 hour game. If you follow this PSN Profiles guide that just launched, they're saying about 40 hours. I'm sure that's highly skill dependent on how you play roguelikes or how well you do with them. That's kind of the gist of the game, the gist of getting the trophy or all the trophies. I personally think it's a pretty good list. Like 40 hours for a roguelike is pretty generous. Um, yeah, it's not bad, actually. But it reminds me of Super Meat Boy, where these are very, I hate to call them simple games because they're not simple, but like the simplistic art, I think for me personally, makes it harder to hold my attention for 40 hours when there's no story. You're just, it's just purely gameplay. Like the gameplay has to be rock solid. Yeah. To hold my hours that long. I mean, to hold my, hold my attention that long. Yeah, it's it's sort of like uh, quickly like to anecdote it a bit like with the fucking Vampire Survivors where I know that game is like forty to fifty hours to get all the gamer score in, but it's like I've played maybe fifteen to sixteen hours or maybe slightly less, and I'm like, eh, do I can I do this for another twenty five? I don't know, <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. it's tough. Yeah, I mean that game is really really simple compared to this, but the same idea, you know. Yep. Yeah. Um. Let's see. That's kind of the gist of getting all the trophies. The actual artwork itself, I think, is pretty good. Um, the art in the game is pretty stylish. They improved quite a bit on what they were doing with, or what they did with the first Rogue Legacy. Uh, there's a lot more attention to detail in the artwork, I think, from the little bit I've played and from what I'm seeing in the trophy uh, artwork. They follow the same formula that a lot of games are doing now, where bronze trophies... Who actually just kidding? Bronze trophies have a almost like silver border. Silver trophies have a gold border. Uh-huh. And gold trophies are random. There's some gold trophies here with silver borders and some gold trophies with gold borders. So take back everything I just said. I have no idea what they're doing with the borders in this game. <laughs> it's kind of like you were saying with Exo Primal. It's like they had the idea to do it and then just kind of like forgot it or maybe changed the value of the trophy along that, the way. Exactly. That, that's what I think happened with Exo Primal is like, here's the convention and then they changed the value of some of the trophies at the end and didn't update the artwork accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to guess, I think that's what happened here. Um, because there's very clearly bronze, silver, and gold borders around these trophies, but they're not matching up with the values of the trophies. The actual artwork themselves are so... I talked about how you get a trophy per each boss and for beating the prime version of each boss. Um, The artwork is just very simply like a pretty cool detailed picture of each boss. Uh, The miscellaneous trophies, nothing really too special there. It's all just kind of like, I guess like clipped out pictures of like things you would see in the game. 
for example, there's a trophy called Black Shop. Buy one of every item from the blacksmith, and the trophy artwork is just a picture of the blacksmith that you would see in the tower before you start your run. Same thing, there's with this trophy, Pillow Investments. Buy one of every ruin from the enchantress. Just a picture of the enchantress. So very simple, but I've also seen a lot worse. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm really hung up on the border matching up with the value. It's I guess I didn't catch out. that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at a few trophies or a few of the trophies artwork and I was like, yeah, those match. But now that I'm looking at it, like none of them match. <laughs> so weird list. Uh, I'm going to, in the same vein as Exoprimal, like Daryl's the freaking pro at finding all the Easter eggs. I personally don't see any kind of like pop culture reference with these. They're just, they're pretty basic. Like there's a trophy for knocking out an estuary. Uh, estuaries are the bosses, I believe. And that trophy is just called KO. Yeah. Um, the trophy for petting the dragon is just called Good Boy. Just very simple titles. They're at least like kind of unique, but I, I'm not tying them to any specific type of pop culture reference that we like to see outside of that. I don't have much else to say. It's a roguelike. I love roguelikes. I've been considering making this my R game on uh, Pat the Trophy Hunter's A to Z challenge, which is why I wanted to cover it. But I've been kind of getting cold feet on whether or not I want to commit to it. But that was back when I thought it was 100 to 120 hours. Knowing it's 40 hours, I think I'm a little more likely to really dive in and give this a go. Do you guys have any questions on Rogue Legacy 2? I do not, but it does sound cool. I'm not really, yeah, I'm not, I mean, roguelikes are never really my thing. Uh, in the past, you know, beyond just like I've mentioned dozens of times now, I really got into Binding of Isaac, the OG on PC for some reason, and I have like 120 hours on that game on Steam. But beyond yeah. that, I've never really gotten into the genre. I'm sure it's much the same as like fighting games, where if I gave it a good solid shot, I would love it. But I just need to figure out what game it is for me. I think Vampire Survivors is close. Like, I, I do really dig that. But it doesn't have quite enough skill expression for me. It feels a little bit too, like, it's just random. You better hope you get good upgrades. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. But but I am, I am, like, weirdly curious about this game. Like, I know they talked about it on Sacred Symbols as well. But it sounds cool. If you like roguelikes, I'd say, yeah, check it out. And if you like PvP co-op games, check out Exoprimal. I think so far, kind of two for two, relatively straightforward list. So, Daryl, before I kick it to you, I do want to say, I don't think I said this before, Rogue Legacy, if you didn't play the first one, these are like side-scrolling platformer type of roguelikes. I know a lot of roguelikes you'll see kind of top-down in the vein of Binding of Isaac. This one is a, a lot of platforming, side-scrolling, take Mario and turn it into a roguelike, and this is your game. And I also noticed in this guide, since I'm kind of reviewing this guide on the fly, there's house rules in the settings, which is essentially accessibility options, which drop the difficulty to a 4 out of 10, and we'll reduce that time to about 30 hours instead of 40 hours. Uh, so you can play with the house rules or accessibility options and make this an even easier time. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, but yeah. Daryl, 
anything to add? Um, or any questions? Not really. I guess the only thing that kind of stood out, I'm not sure if it's even referencing it, was the Full House. It kind of just made me think of that old sitcom show. Yeah, Full House and then Fuller House. <laughs> I haven't seen Fuller House, but Full House, yeah. I don't know, it just made me think of it with the hearts and stuff. I'm just thinking, is it talking about that sitcom show? <laughs> yeah, right? Whoa! It's hard to tell because the rest of the list doesn't I don't see anywhere in the rest of the list like referencing anything. So it's it's kind of hard to tell, in my opinion. It could also be like a poker reference. Yeah. True. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying whoa, though, because the game that you are going to be talking about, Daryl, I am looking at on the PSN store right now, and it says friends who play, and it lists your name there. So did you buy this game already? And what game are you Ooh. talking to us about? <laughs> Yeah, so um, is it my turn? Yes, sir. Let's hear it. Okay. All right, so I'm going to be talking about guilt. Woo! And yeah, Colin, I did buy this game. You it's fucker. $20. <laughs> it's $20 on the uh, PSN store. So I took the opportunity to talk about this game because it looked interesting. And it reminded me of when I chose Dredge. You know, I, I really enjoyed reviewing the game. I really wanted to play it, but I did not, like, pull the trigger on playing it. So, second time around, I found guilt, looked at the trophy list. I was really liking the list, and I just decided to, to pull the trigger and buy this game. Uh, play a little bit of it and just talk about the list and give you my thoughts on it. So, guilt is the game I'm talking about, and it's spelled G-Y-L-T. Why that is, I do not know. But I'm hoping I can find somewhere on the internet or within the story why it's spelled that way. Because it definitely had me thinking, um, what the hell's going on? It, <laughs> I feel like this is just another one of those games falling in the same line as like, you know, Takia or some other wild game where players can't really decide what the official name is of that game. So it took me a few times to figure out what this game was. I was really thinking it was like guilt, but guilt seems the the, the name of this game from a, a couple of people I've. Um, it could just be that game. it's like Scottish or it's it's like Welsh looking. You know, I don't know if the main character is from like the UK or something, or if it takes place in the UK. It could be that some ancient Abrahamic traditions and languages also used Y instead of certain other vowels. So it could be that if it's biblical, if there's some sort of biblical tie-in. So I'm just throwing those out there. See that, that religious major is paying off, man. Uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, recent players on PSMP. I see the tall Simone guy here. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm famous. Mom. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, so Guilt uh, it is developed by Tequila Works. Uh, they don't have a lot of games made, but they do have one game I am familiar with, and it's Deadlight. Uh, it was just that they, um, that side-scrolling zombie apocalypse game that um, came out a while back. I played it on the 360, but that's oh. one game they have made. Yeah, okay. okay. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah, really these guys game. also, these guys also did rhyme. I know we have a few people in the Discord that have played rhyme. Yeah, I don't know why I thought Tequila Works was the guys who did um, 
Macho Libra, or fuck, what the fuck is the name of that game? Uh, Guacamelee, but it's not. It's mm. is isn't their name something with tequila though? I have no idea. All right. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so they they are known for those two games. Um, this Drink was box. also. Thank Ooh. you. Yeah, more games. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So Stadia. This was a game that came out on Stadia. Uh, it was released in November of 2019, and it's made its way to the PlayStation platform. You can pick it up on PS4, PS5, uh, and it's available right now. You can pick it up just like I did for about 20 bucks. This game is relatively uh, flying under the radar. There's not a whole lot of people playing this game on the PS5. There's really only 60 people have played it so far. I'm part of that recent players list. And PS4, there's only four owners. So a lot of people do not know about this game. But but from what I've been hearing and reading online, a lot of people really enjoy this game back on the Stadia. And they're really happy that it's made its way back to the newer consoles. So... Kind of had me intrigued. I definitely wanted to check it out. The game itself, the distribution is one platinum, six golds, 11 silvers, and 12 bronzes. So I think that's the list most people can get on board with. Let's fucking go, dude. (laughs) It's a good distribution. It's definitely another thing that caught my eye with this game. And the game itself. So what is guilt about? So guilt... You take on the role of a character by the name of Sally, and she's from this fictional town, I believe somewhere in the U.S. I don't know where, but everyone's speaking English, and it sounds it sounds domestic to me. I feel like it's here somewhere in the States. And you have a cousin by the name of Emily who is missing. She's been missing for a month. You don't know where she is. And the story kind of just picks up where you're wandering in town a month later, putting up missing posters of your cousin, Emily. And then you somehow end up in this parallel universe where like you're in the same town, but it's like turned upside down. There's monsters everywhere. And somehow you find your cousin. I haven't really gotten far in the game, but basically you're just trying to find your cousin and find your way out to get back to your own reality. Hmm. Uh, The game kind of like follows a lot of other games that people are more familiar with. Uh, so there's a mechanic in the game where the light, the flashlight is your weapon. So think of it as like Alan Wake, but you're playing as a child. And the art style of the game, uh, it, I, I would say, well, I haven't really played the game, but it, it kind of has the same story and message from what I've seen as Concrete Genie, where you play as a kid, you're dealing with bullies, and you're kind of just like, going through it in some twisted way in this game, apparently. So, kind of like that. But the art style is pretty cool. It reminds me of Coraline. I don't know if you guys have seen that uh, animated movie. It has uh, some very similar visuals to that movie, which I really enjoyed. Um, So, the game is pretty cool so far. I've played a little bit so far. I'm only like an hour in. The story's not that long. It's about three hours long, I believe. But there's going to be multiple playthroughs uh, before you can get the 100% and the Platinum. So the first eight trophies, which are all secret, 
and I've been really bad about this, so I apologize <laughs> in the other episodes. I've just been <laughs> completely spoiling everything. So I, I've turned a new leaf. I'm not spoiling things anymore. <laughs> so first first eight trophies, they're all bronzes. Woo, spoiler. Um, they're all story- <laughs> What? <laughs> they're, all- <laughs> they're all story related. Uh, with the last three kind of within that that first kind of know bunch they're all tied to the endings so there's three different endings in the game uh the endings are two silvers and one gold uh i believe the silver uh silvers um you know actually i don't want to say anything there's good and bad endings yeah so there's there's three different endings though okay gotcha two different endings and then the other secret trophy or three secret trophies are all at the bottom um let's well, let's reveal them see what they are <laughs> uh, we're doing see. it live <laughs> oh we're not, not really that secret okay i do like one of the secret trophies yeah it's pretty cool it's it's kind of like um let's see let's see it takes two so there's a reference in there that kind of makes references to other oh like, this trophy stuff like that yeah i think so, it, yeah yeah it's pretty cool. I liked it a lot. I, I'm really excited to see what that trophy is. I feel like it's what I just mentioned earlier. Um, you know, the, it's a game they're well known for. And that's pretty much it for the secret trophies. And then from there, uh, it's just a little bit of like the challenging trophies, trying to like do a level without getting hit or stuff like that. Things that you probably see from other trophy lists. So don't be exposed. Escape from the arcade without being detected by exposure. I actually did this last night, but I didn't get the trophy because I wasn't aware of it. So there's this monster that comes looking for you, and it's, like, in the form of a spider. But it has, like, a huge, like, floodlight coming out of its mouth. So that's how it, like, detects you and stuff like that. It's pretty cool design. Hmm. And you have to avoid its... um it's a gaze, so that was pretty cool. Had I known that that was a trophy, I definitely would have, you know, put a little bit more effort into it. Uh, same thing with the next trophy: avoid the violence, defeat, defeat violence without being hit. So another challenge type of trophy. And there's three silver trophies after that, which pertain to like the different bosses in the game. So you encounter three different bosses at different points in the games. And, you know, defeating them gives you a trophy. And then the next few trophies after are more like the combat-related stuff. So you're, you're given a flashlight, like I said, and you can do different things with it. You can blind enemies. You can stun. You can also pull like, a, like an execution-type move that, that insta-kills enemies. So you have trophies that are tied to that. The one that I thought would have been pretty hard was the don't look at the light. And if you look at my profile, I actually have that one. Yeah, I was going to say, I, that, I was reading that. I, and I was like, that one looks like it would be tough, but you have it. So Yeah, I actually thought this would be hard just because, you know, there, there's always those time the trophies where it's like, oh, kill 10 enemies in, in, you know, five seconds or like five enemies, you know, something like that. That's really bizarre. And you're like really pressed for time. But when you do this trophy, it's like one of those tutorials, like, oh, now that you have this weapon, you can do this. 
and then right away it gives you three enemies to test out this new skill you you you've had unlocked so i was like oh great i heard about that trophy i saw it i just got it <laughs> piece of cake nice so things you have combat related stuff and then the next trophy after is avoid conflict a conflict where you have to end the game without killing anyone and this the exception is the bosses i'm trying to do this on my first playthrough it, there's really no there's no difficulty setting for the game and kind of just my first hour in, I feel like it's very doable in your first playthrough. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, and then the next trophies after, it's just, you know, game is trying to get you to do things that you normally wouldn't do. So avoid a cold. I'm sure this is like level specific. Use the planks to remain dry. Not sure what that is. But I had seen this one. The next trophy I'm going to talk about is take it to the hoop. Hoopa can. So cans you uh, can use in the game to distract enemies. Um, so when I heard that, obviously I'm like, all right, well, I got to put, I got to shoot this can into something. So I just like shot into a trash can because it said Hoopa can. But I guess there's like somewhere in the level you can actually like shoot the can into like a basketball hoop, which I'm assuming because there's like a net in the picture. But we'll see. Mm. I will report back later. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, different ways you can hurt enemies. So shocking an enemy, there's a way to do that. Hit an enemy with a can. This was pretty funny. <laughs> I threw a can at the enemy and it just like looked at me. Like <laughs> Silver trophy though. Good. Let's go. It, it it was yeah, it's quite rewarding, man. Silver, I was like, damn, that was so easy. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Nothing really too complicated, you know, freezing enemies, freezing an enemy of each type. Um, and then towards the end, there's two more golden gold trophies. I think the other three I might have mentioned are all secrets. Uh, I've lost count of how many golds, but I think most of most of the golds I mentioned are, are hidden minus the last two. So you do have collectibles in this game. They're in the form of diaries. So the the diaries are pretty cool. I've been actually reading them. Yes, read uh, the collectibles. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Oh, all right. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they're good insight. You know, they provide a lot of backstory to the game. There's oh, you characters. don't say. Oh, you don't fucking say. The collectibles actually help with the story, huh? Wow. All right. <laughs> Yeah, the, the diaries are, are good. Um, they're good sources of, you know, learning more about the story. Nice. Um, enough said about that. <laughs> uh, it's very cool. I like it because the diaries are also from people who have ended up in this uh, parallel universe who haven't had the, uh, you know, a chance to escape. So reading their backstory on how they got there is pretty cool. And the last one, helping the missing ones. So it's a rear picture. It kind of looks like a clay figure. So I'm really curious to see why that is. These are the people that I've mentioned that have ended up in where Emily and Sally are. And they have not escaped. So they're like in this clay figure. But you have to collect resources around the environment to like free them. So pretty cool thing almost like another collectible hunt and that is it 
for this game for Gil. Uh, the artwork itself is pretty chill. It's just a black and red schematic. Uh, the artwork's pretty pretty basic. It's like you know you got enemies, enemy variations. Uh, so a lot of the the artwork has the the head of the the common enemy in the game, and a lot of the trophies kind of show like an interaction with the the enemies. So like, let there be light. Defeat an enemy with the flashlight beam. You see, like this freaking glare across the uh, the en the enemy's head, or you see like two hands on the enemy's face. This is where you blind the enemies at the same time, or you just completely see the the face shattered, where you kill an enemy with a stealth attack. So a lot of the the pictures kind of give you a clue into what the trophy description is, which is pretty cool. Pretty simple trophy uh, artwork, but nothing too crazy. I do like the, the platinum for sure. It's a side-by-side -side picture of Emily and Sally together, which I really like. It was pretty cool. Those are the cousins, yeah? Yeah. The main character and the cousins? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so the left, the one on the left is Emily, or no, Sally. She's the main character you play as, and then the one on the right is Sally. And let's see. That's pretty much it. The, the So the one thing I really... Do not like just weird it's, it's probably like the only thing that really caught me off guard that I don't like it's the way that it shows up on my PlayStation profile the one on my profile I looked at this the other day and when it shows up on my trophy list it shows it as guilt but it's also called guilt trophy pack mm. it's such a strange title it almost looks like a DLC list oh that's fucked it looks weird. Like it's the only thing bugging me about this game on my profile. Huh. Hope it gets changed at some point. I doubt it, but like it's it's bugging my OCD. It's like that's not what the game's called. It's not <laughs> guilt trophy pack. It's called guilt. Come yeah, on. Yeah, that's really weird. They're making you feel guilty about it. You're talking <laughs> about your actual PlayStation profile? Uh uh on the um Yeah, on the PlayStation native. Yeah, okay. You, you look at my list, it'll show up as guilt trophy pack. Ah, uh, yeah. That, that would bug me, too. That's weird. And other than that, there's really nothing uh, else I want to say about this game. I think it's a really unique game. Uh, it's a very <laughs> unknown game at this time. So I hope more people would look into it, just like they did with Dredge. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. That's all I got to say about guilt. Right on, man. Well, yeah, three very different, uh, I think, various tiers of games. Exoprimal is not maybe a AAA game, but it is maybe the one of the games we've talked about that's received the most marketing. Rogue Legacy 2, somewhere in the middle. And then Guilt, which I've never even heard of before, but seems really cool. So hopefully that gives all you listeners out there and you trophy hunters a various slew of trophy lists that you can go after and different games that you can try to tackle. So thank you guys very much for your trophy list reviews. And with that, that's going to do it for episode 89 of the show. Hopefully you have enjoyed it. Let's pass it along to each of our hosts here to give them a chance to say where you can get in contact with them and where you can find them. So Slugger, where should people reach out to you if they want to talk to you? You can find me on PlayStation Network, PSN Profiles, Discord, at SluggerJD. 
Yes, sir. Uh, and Twitter, Slugger underscore JD. I'm not very active on there, but you can also check out our shows, Discord, or sorry, uh, Twitter. And I've, I've been posting Platinums on there and trophies and all that stuff. So hit me up. Yes, sir. Yeah, famously, uh, I put in the Discord, but Ghost Runner retweeted and liked my Ghost Runner Platinum tweet, which was very cool, considering we only have like 42 followers, so I'll take it. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, you can take it, check out that at Trophy Talk Pod is the Twitter. But, Daryl, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, so you can find me on Discord, PlayStation Profiles, and PlayStation Native at the Tall Simone Guy. Damn straight you can. He's playing Guilt. And you can find me on PSNP, PlayStation, Xbox, and League of Legends, all at CK Present. Discord, of course, as well, is the best place to get in touch with us. Go and check out that Discord pin to our Twitter account and our SoundCloud. And if, again, if you like what we do, check out patreon.com slash podcast, and you can go and find a way to support the show there. That has been episode 89. Thank you all so much for your support and for listening. We really do appreciate it. We'll be back in episode 90 in a few weeks' time with what we have been playing. I think you're going to like that episode. We got something special in store. So stay tuned. Take care. Happy gaming. And goodbye. Goodbye.